Welcome back to 1010's podcast. I am, of course, Michael back with Adam and Rob's responsibilities this week. Boo. I love it. I love that we rotate through them. Yeah, you I know. just never just, know what's coming. It's just you whatever just I feel like. You can't even guess. I'm sitting here in suspense, going, "Uh, uh, hint." Oh, nope. Not I'm waiting. Handsome. I'm waiting for that third nickname, though, because I'll throw that one in too. Don't give me that look, Robbie. Hey, buddy. It's gonna happen <laughs> later. Damn it. Uh, before we jump in, let's do our social media. So you can find us at Ten Tenths Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and Car Throttle, and at the number Ten Tenths Podcast on Twitter. And 1010spodcast.com. And you know what else you should do while you're at home in front of your computer? You should log into iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. We had a bunch oh, this week. We want the reviews, too. Yeah, reviews we def- are the, like the sec- my second favorite part of the day. Uh, what I have not seen yet is um, any sort of filthy, dirty nicknames for myself. And I'm slightly disappointed yeah. in our collective uh, listening audience. So... I'm driving home from Stillwater, Oklahoma today. I started my day in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I'm ending it here at By the West way, Des Moines. It's 9.20 p.m. on Friday. And yeah. uh, how long have you driven today? Well, I left I left Stillwater at noon. And you got up at what time this morning? Uh, I started my day about 6.30. So if Adam starts slurring, it's because he's just slowly... I'm starting to fall past, asleep. Just going to bed. Yeah. We'll yeah. know he's sleeping when he, you'll hear like... Yeah, you'll be able to hear him breathing from across the room. I don't snore. I've never heard myself snore. You can't prove it. <laughs> wow. It's true. We don't sleep with you, so. That's true. We made you sleep in a separate room at Grid Life. It's true. <laughs> Just, <laughs> like, he makes enough no- nose noises as it is. We don't want him in the same room as us, so we just put him in a different room, and, and just, we don't know. We still don't know if he snores, but... I don't know what you guys did behind that closed door. There were two beds. Doesn't mean we used both of them, but... <laughs> I know the sheets were messed up, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what happens at Grid Life stays at Grid Life. I woke up in the morning, and I was like, oh, shit, Adam's gonna come in here, so I <laughs> ruffled that bed up, and ran in and got in the shower, so... I sleep better when I'm being snuggled. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robbie asked for it. I was just there to oblige. Wow. It'd be rude not to. He's used to being the small spoon, so I just, you know. <laughs> I love being the small spoon. I small wanna... spoon is the way to go because you don't have hair in your mouth or anything. It's the best way to be. <laughs> Shit, I didn't think about that. But Robbie's yeah. head, he's got real close I got, hair. I got, I got, yeah, real, real short hair. Real short well, hair. I suppose so. it wouldn't be a big deal with either one of you, I suppose. <laughs> this is taking a really weird I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is a... <laughs> I don't even remember what I was beginning to You said to you talk were coming about. back. You came back from Stillwater. Oh, today. yeah. So, so uh, the guy I drove back with, he wanted to listen to a few of our podcasts. So I did. And I've noticed that Michael dishes out a lot of, of trolling, of calling out the fans to troll you and I. We never do it to him. Not yet. I we're, just said, I wish somebody would actually give me a dirty name on, on our review because I think it would be funny. And I don't think anybody will do it. I don't know. It's a challenge. I want to see if somebody will write. I want to see somebody give us. I mean, I don't, I'm not encouraging anybody to give us a bad review. You should always give us a five star review. But give us a review, write the review, say good things, and then call me a bad name. I just want to see it. I just want to see if someone will do it. Just <laughs> it, somebody. It would, it would make our day. We'll so, talk about somebody it. Somebody did call you Trust Fund Michael, but it's really not catchy. No, not really. That was one of the recent ones, wasn't it? Doesn't, it? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have a. It doesn't roll off the tongue like Rob Ridiculous. Damn it. Ah, no, I said yes. it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Rob Ridiculous. Yes. Damn it. I'm so <laughs> mad right now. <laughs> I hate you right Rob now. Rob Ridiculous. Wait, where, what was that? Sk- wasn't there a skater named Rob something? Had a weird name. Rob, Rob Diedrich. Rob. Oh, yeah. It sounds like that's, Rob, that's, Rob Diedrich. That's kind of when it happened. Is when yeah, that Rob was when and Big was real popular. Was big. 
Hold on, let me take. But some. like, so Robbie, we'd be skating, and Robbie would always do flips and stuff. Yeah. Robbie liked to be upside down on purpose. I always said that if I was upside down, that something's gone horribly. Like there's stray. bones sticking out of skin if that's happened. That yeah. never happened to me. I've got big scars f- for plate insertion, but I never had a bone puncture. So, but uh, uh, yeah, anytime Robbie did something crazy, it was that was Rob ridiculous. I love it. Are there any more, or is that it? No, nah, that's really. That's, oh, do yeah. we have to end the show now because there's no more nicknames? Yeah, that's over. <laughs> Sorry, episode twenty-seven or whatever this is. Yep, we'll come up with new ones. It's all right. We can come up with it's new an ones. ever-evolving thing. Uh, if you have a new nickname for Robbie or want to call me a dirty name, uh, find us on iTunes, which you can rate with your phone, and you should. <laughs> and I don't think that you will. So, but do it because I told you to. Do it and call me a name because of it. Moving on. This has already gone to quite. Some interesting places. Um, so we had a few things that we wanted to talk about before we talk about our weekend last weekend. Um, let's see, Adam, you had something from a previous show about Le Mans. Le Mans. Le Mans. Le Mans. Uh, <laughs> Le Mans. Yeah, so, uh, so somebody who was a few shows behind was catching up, and uh, he messaged me, and he told me that, um, and I, I looked this up, I couldn't find any exact references to it, but this is what he believed because he remembered reading it somewhere the the uh six minute final lap rule was instated many 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 moons ago when if a car broke down the driver would attempt a repair on track so it's supposed to discourage you from doing that well the idea was we don't want you out there for two hours trying to finish fixing your or trying trying to fix your car so that you can finish your last lap and finish, quote unquote. And so they, they implemented a time restraint for the final lap to prevent people from doing that. It still sucks you have to do that final lap at all. You know what I mean? Like if you did, in Toyota's case, um, break down on the last lap, if you could just, you know, flag goes, time's out, you know, you're not moving. Official says, okay, that guy's not going to get to the finish line. So whatever lap... He was he did finish. That's his final lap number, and move on. Why do they have to finish that last lap? Uh, I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm just well, throwing that my, question. Well, my my only logic to it is is in the situation of modern endurance racing where there are there are more than one car on the lead lap. What's to determine? I mean, it is a 24 hour race, not a 23 hour and 55 minute race, and so he did not finish that race to me it should be more who is farther through the lap that they are currently on when the clock strikes 24 that's where that's where it should end to me yeah i don't disagree because it's a 24 hour race not a 500 lap race like daytona or or anything like that so if you've got four cars on the lead lap Whoever's closest to crossing the finish line again at the end of the 24-hour mark, winner. Yeah, that's how I was always I always understood it as. I didn't realize that I had to finish the lap. That's how it should be. I don't know. It makes more sense to me to do it that way, but it's probably tradition and Because that was the argument people made was, oh, Toyota had crossed the finish line. Why, why did they have to finish that next lap? Well, because they raced for 23 hours and 55 minutes, not 24 hours. So if you're going to use that as the reason why they can't place, then you need to cut your time at 24 flat. Simple as that. 
I don't disagree. I think there are better ways that could have been handled. Obviously, we talked about that in that episode that we're pretty disappointed for Toyota. Crushing defeat. So here's Terrible. one other real quick blurb. I tried to find this, too, and I can't find it. But two, maybe three years ago, I remember watching the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and I'm fairly certain it was Toyota. Their car was out on track, and that positioning light that had failed on the Ferrari yep. and they had gotten penalized for, theirs failed as well, but it was like just as it was getting dark. And th- so they had to pull into pit and replace it and they lost a bunch of time and position in the process and never made it back up. And they were at the pointy end of it at that time period and never were able to make up that time. And the argument could be made that they had a legitimate chance at winning that until a part that they had no control over failed. So I, I couldn't find that that it was Toyota, but I remember that happening before. No, it makes sense. I, I don't know that... I mean, if you have to have that positioning light and you have to have it fixed, and that's the rule, we kind of talked about this before, but I don't know if Ferrari's penalty for that was just because if it had happened two hours before that they would have had to pull in pull the car apart change the light they would have lost a ton of time so there's there's two things i think that needs to happen with that number one apparently whoever's manufacturing that fia needs to tighten up their quality control because clearly it's a failure point right and number two since it's not a safety thing it's not a timing thing. You know, it's not like it's the transponder on the car or anything like that. It's not playing a significant role in anything except being able for a spectator to identify that that person is fourth in class. If it fails, it fails. Move on. Yeah, just le- just let them run the, just the let rest them run of the race. What difference just does let them finish. Who, who, who is it benefiting? The spectators that are there? They've got to have they've got to have you know Megatron boards that show where people there's a, are. There's a live timing app you can download on your phone. So what difference is it? Why do they even need the lights? Just get rid of the lights. Yeah, I don't like it because I don't even know how long they've had them. You know, if you want to argue, oh, it's tradition to have them. I, there's I mean, no way it's tradition. Yeah, yeah there's it's no way. New. Yeah, it's so new, it's too new of a technology. So just, just get rid of them and remove another failure point, point which appears to be an issue. And then we don't have to worry about penalties. So anyway. Uh, before we move on to the other thing, I forgot we did have a shout-out. Mm. So I want to shout-out uh, Mr. Ian Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, we met him through Twitter. He His Twitter handle is at BothHandDrive. Um, he is originally from the U.K. I don't know where exactly in the U.K., but now he lives in California, hence the Both Hand Drive, because he's driven on both sides. Oh, I never... I, I see it. I so see I never... That, yeah. I knew that he was from those places that never clicked. Yeah, so I think he's got... clever. I like I think it. he has a uh, co- cohort in the UK still, so they contribute some to his uh, website, and you got one guy in the UK, and you got one guy in the US, and plus uh, Ian's lived both places, so you get both hand drive. Um, interesting fact about Ian, we believe, and he believes, that he is the only person on Car Throttle that has had the... Uh, comments shut off on one of his articles because he caused quite the stir new, new life goal he uh he posted an article not even that long ago uh it was called the ford mustang is not a muscle car i really like that already <laughs> and uh oh man there's the, so many people even people i know that are would get fired up about that well comment. just the headline 
If you're a diehard American car person and you see that, you're going to click on it, you're going to open it, and you're going to read it. Yeah, it's perfect clickbait. Oh, it's I wonder where, everyone clicked I it. I wonder where he posted it. Like which community? Which community? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. The muscle, I've got the it. muscle car community. Because there is I, an I American, so. <laughs> there is an American car community. That he had to put it somewhere like that. I kind of hope that's where it is. So anyway, but they don't. I don't know that that has a huge following, and so I don't know. But yeah, either way, I don't knows? know. He he posted. He goes. You know, he makes the point that it was originally a pony car, which it is. Yep, it was. What's, to me, pony cars and muscle car. Why is why are those different? Um, I know that he provided some reasoning to it. Maybe I should have read well, his article. I think the and the point that he makes about the pony car is the Mustang actually spurred the pony car name. So by definition, a Mustang is a pony car because it's what created the pony car, and then the Camaro was a response to the Mustang. So it's a smaller, air quotes, because you got to remember this is nineteen sixty well nineteen sixty three nineteen sixty four when the Mustang launched. And then 66, 67, when the Camaro launched, it's smaller compared to the other crap that you could buy. And it had a decent-sized engine. You could get a four-speed. It was kind of sporty. As opposed to a muscle car, which at the time would have been like a GTO. I think the which 64, 65 GTO is like what everyone says is the kickoff to the muscle car. And that's a bigger car. That's a kind of a medium-sized two-door car. mid-sized sedan, if so, you will. Yeah, so that's a muscle car. A pony car was meant to be smaller and lighter. Um, but kind of in that same vein and maybe vaguely handle. So it's not a muscle car. It never really has been a muscle car. And then he goes on to argue that now it's a sports car because it's got, you know, IRS and you can get a 2.3 liter boosted version of it if you want to. And people in Europe love it and it handles well. And it's uh, now it's more of a sports car. A friend of mine has one that has just some simple modifications to it uh nothing crazy and he's got a friend who's got an e92 m3 and at rpm he is multiple seconds faster than the e92 with the same driver in the in the car so if you uh if you're feeling bored or you need some light entertainment you should go to car throttle and look up an article by the uh, name of the ford mustang is not a muscle car and read through the comments because they are awesome it got real. Yeah, people were not super pumped about that. A little offended. Slightly offended. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we, we want to thank Ian for reaching out to us, and he and I have been having some great conversations, and he's a really cool dude, so definitely check him out, and again, find him at, uh, at both hand drive on the Twitter machine. So I think a few people will find this funny. I get all the emails from from our Gmail account, which is what our Twitter account is linked to. So when Michael, who manages our Twitter account, is direct messaging all you random people who are listening right now, I just see your responses, and I always try to like fill in the blank to what Michael may have said to you or back and <laughs> forth, and it's it's like a little game I play throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to send me like some really weird messages, Adam will uh, make it weird. Fill please. in fill make in with weird. his uh, his own uh, commentary. But uh, anyway, yeah, thank you, Ian. Um, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you sh- sharing some of your articles with us because you got some good um, you got some really good content on Car Throttle and on your website as well. So, um, oh, the other thing was uh, Robbie. You did some stuff to your car this week. I learned how to powder coat this week, so which really isn't a it's big deal. Way easier than you'd think it would be. Yes, isn't it? absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. So I took my valve cover off because it's not running. So who, you know, whatever. Take the valve. Hey, cover you off. took it to the drift pictures. I, I didn't yeah, realize I, I you were drove, going to. I, I, I turned. I was like, oh wait a minute. There's there's more Nissans here. Yeah. We, oh, we no, were like we were like. Uh, I was like, 
you want you want to drive or should I? He's well, I, I'll drive. And I'm like, which one are we taking? And he, I him any hot. Let's just take the 240. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you insist, Robbie, I'll, if I I'll have to sit in the 240, that's fine. So we had a nice little caravan going. So it it kind of runs as yes. as some of you know that's got a slight boost issue, but yeah, whatever. whatever. So in the meantime, you decided to powder coat your valve cover. Yeah, if I can't get it to run right, I'll just uh, make, well make it, make it, it look, look pretty. Yeah. yeah. So I took a valve cover off, went over to my buddy's place. He's got the whole nice little shop set up. So he has a uh, sandblaster and oven. Like it's like an old oven he bought for fifteen bucks at like a Goodwill, and it just fit in there. So we, I go in there and I blast or not glass bead, uh, sandblast the whole thing, get it all smooth and uh, get it all rough or not smooth, smooth and rough. Right, get the paint, get the paint, <laughs> get the off, paint off, prep the prep the surface. Yep. Yeah. So then uh, put the chrome base down. So we just powder coat it, and it's static. Um, there's a little, what's like, word, what's there's like a for? little electrode, yeah, that lead that you stick on it, and it charges it with statically, like with static electricity, and then the powder literally sticks to to the metal surface that way. It's oppositely charged. Yes, and so, then it sticks. Yeah. So you shoot the powder. What do you shoot the powder coat through? It's just like it's a sm- like a, it's just like a painting gun or similar to a painting gun. So it just kind of. But you need a powder coat gun, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So like Eastwood is the one that everyone should buy because they're really not that expensive and they work fantastic. My dad's had one for years, and I don't think he's ever had to buy a second one. Like it, it just keeps working, but it's really, really, really low pressure. Yep. Like two psi or something like that. I don't. Know, I don't know exactly what it yeah, is. You, you want to just kind of. Coat it real, Basically real just lightly want it to kind of fall out of the end of the gun. Yeah, yes. yeah. So we we have it strung up from his oven rack, sitting on a on a like a uh, workbench. So then we're kind of getting around all of the grates of it, and we're just kind of sprinkling it on there, and get, we just basically do it until it's fuzzy, and then we put it in the oven at four hundred degrees. Then once it gets to operating temperature, once it gets to four hundred degrees, the metal of it. Then you let it sit for 15 minutes, and then you pull it back out. Then it's all chrome. And then you let it cool down to about 200 degrees. And then we do the same thing again with the blue coat. Get it all fuzzy. Then put it back into the oven. Then we cure it, or get to 400 degrees, and then cure it there for 10 minutes. Pull it out. Done. It's good to go. Yep. And it's a hard, I mean, it's a harder uh, surface than paint would be. Yeah, it, and it doesn't, like, I. It's, if the first thing I do is I take it off the rack, once it's cool, I take it off the rack, and I'm, Get it in out of the um, off the bench and getting out of the way and into the car and I, like bang it up against the door because like I that's what you do with a brand new paint job is right, you fuck you, it you, up right that's you gotta bang it up <laughs> so you don't feel bad about it anymore so I, I yeah hit it against the door and I you know obviously it doesn't chip or anything so it's nice then again when I'm putting it in the car and or actually yesterday when I was polishing up the letters because I just went and got a block and some eighty grit one eighty grit three twenty and then the thousand grit. Because it says, does it say Nissan on top of the it valve says cover? Nissan and then uh, twin cam 16 valves on e- on either side. So right, I, I and just, it's raised it's raised lettering. Yeah, it's raised casting. Yep. So then I just uh, polished those up. Basically, you just sanded that to take the powder coat off that section of it. Yeah, sanded, so, all, sanded all the powder coat off, got it down to bare metal, got it down to 1,000 grit, just make it real smooth and almost mirror finish. Mm-hmm. Then I used aluminum polish and got it to the actual mirror finish. Gotcha. And it, yeah, it worked great. How hard was it to sand that off? About the same as paint. Because my understanding is that like that stuff's even hard to sandblast off. I, I can see that and, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's better because it was fresh, but it, it sanded up and is that how I'd expect it to sand up? It wasn't t- too tough. It, I mean obviously I wasn't sitting there and I didn't get it done in ten minutes, but 
couple hours, I had it completely polished and done. Did you wet sand that? No. Or did you dry sand? I just okay. dry sand the whole thing. I was curious, maybe wet sanding would be better if it would load up the paper. I, if you were doing much of it, it'd probably you'd probably want to wet sand that. Yeah, if I wanted to go, again, like it, if I wanted to go show car quality, yeah, I would have gone to a higher grit, wet like sanded a 1500, it. Yep. Yeah, 1500, 3000. I would have kept going, and then I would have yep. got like an electric buffer, and I would have got it all perfect. Yeah. And right now it's... It's shiny enough. I'm not going to worry about it too much. It has that cross member or the uh, strut tower bar that goes on top of it anyways. So, it's, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Plus, it's it's a race car now. It's not a show car. Right. It's a race car. Which oh, it doesn't, in typical race car fashion, it's broken. So, whatever. I can't argue with that statement. <laughs> My, mine's down, too. So. Oh, yeah. You should tell people what happened to your car because not that we want to get in a super long car update. Yeah. But, uh, you, Are we done with the powder coating thing? Yeah, I think we're done with the powder coating yeah. thing. I think just to wrap that up real quick, because I've done quite a bit of it. My dad uses it all the time. Powder coating is is like brake fluid and and all that resistant. You know that those all those different fluids that are under your hood that will that will ruin your paint. Yeah, powder coating doesn't care about that. So like all your pulleys and small stuff that is metal can be powder coated as long as it fits in an oven. You can powder coat it. The guns aren't that expensive. They're the way to go. It's really, really nice. You, I like. You it. bought those two bags of powder coat on eBay, didn't you? Or yeah, something? I bought it from somebody that like that's what they do is they powder coat all day long. So then they sell pounds of it for real cheap on eBay. So I got a pound of the base coat of chrome and then the top coat of candy up or candy blue, and ironically, it matched the paint on my wheels perfectly. Because I, I painted my valve cover when I first had the car done with the same paint I did my rims with, and I was like, oh well, I'll try to get something close. Apparently, PPG, whatever color blue that is, is identical to this powder coat of candy blue. So it worked out well. So it's exactly how it looked before. We tried clear once, and it came out fairly milky. So just keep that in mind for anybody out there. I was going to ask if there was something you should do to the aluminum on the letters, but I don't think you you want to paint it or anything like that. You could maybe hit it with some spray clear, but don't powder coat clear because it'll come out. I'm not going to bother. Yeah, I'd be 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 worried about it the clear chipping off the powder coat. It's probably not a good idea. So don't do it's that. It's not worth it. Nope, not worth so, it. What'd you do to your wheel? Well, I don't know what happened to it, <laughs> but it's cracked. One of my uh, one of my 13s, one of my race wheels for the Omni, is cracked badly enough that the slick will only hold air for a few minutes, even without the weight of the car on it. So what I thought was a punctured slick turned out to be a ruined wheel. And... Uh, Originally, I thought, well, I'll just park the car and not race it for a while and save my pennies and dimes and buy a set of 15s, but uh, I've slowly been migrating towards just buying one 13-inch rim from Real Racing because they make a rim that looks basically the same. It's very, 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 very similar, and uh, I don't really care because it's a race car, and I don't want to go the entire season without racing. Yeah, what would that be like? (laughs) I don't know, Robbie. What would it be like? Torture. Sadness. I bought I bought these brand new slicks. I got them mounted. They look the business. They are badass. The white letters on the Hoosiers and all that stuff. I've never had a brand new set of wheels or a brand new set of tires. And I don't want to go to those or I don't want to sell them and buy a set of 15s because then I'll have to go back to takeoffs. I really want to use these brand new tires. And I think I'm going to end up buying a wheel just so I can use those tires. I don't see why not. It's I mean, a $200 wheel. It's what, not a huge deal. What's the, what, what would be wrong with that? It weighs a pound more or it's slightly different or like who cares? From my understanding, Real Racing basically makes... The company that made my wheel, it's called Dura 
light, they're dead. And from my understanding, real racing is is them now. And that's basically the same wheel. It doesn't the pictures online, they look the same. I've had people mistake the ones I have for, for those. There's some small physical differences, but I think they weigh essentially the same and I don't it doesn't matter. No, I don't think it matters. Yeah, you'll So one. that's probably what I'm gonna do. You'll have one bright, shiny, brand new one, and then you have these three shitty. I ones. could clean them <laughs> up, but I'm not gonna. Or Let's you could, face or you could it. or you could take your new one and throw it in the dirt and get it all dirty like the other ones. I it'll 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 we could we could buff out. lightly sandblast your new one. Yeah, just a little. Nah, we got them. They got to match, Adam. They don't have to match. It's a race car. I don't care. All right, then quit worrying about it. Just order it. I'll just. Well, so my only concern <laughs> is they'll they'll tell me there's like an eight week lead time on all wheel, and I'll be like, damn it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they only have uh, sets you of want four. one wheel, sir. We're gonna have special make that for you. Sorry. Well, they have to special make them for you anyway, because like literally, that's the thing about real racing, and this is the company that I've tried to talk Michael into buying new wheels for his Fiat, but he's pushed back because he he thinks he needs to do RX seven things instead. But when you buy a set of wheels from Real Racing, they ask you what width you want, what diameter you want, what backspacing you want, what bolt spacing you want, and what hub diameter you want, and they make you a wheel. So, like, Michael, who has a 4x98 bolt pattern on his Fiat, he tells them, I have a 4x98 bolt pattern, and they cut that into the wheel. They don't care because it's just one solid piece of aluminum. I might get some wide fives if I do that. We'll see. I don't know. I haven't gone down that route yet. Or I'll just buy some 15s that are already 4x98s and just move on with life. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Then you could do big break things. I could do big break, but I don't know what I would get big breaks from. A 500? Can I get brakes from a 500 at Barth and put them on there? I think your imagination is the only thing limiting you. Perfect. I just need to make some brackets. Yeah, we can do that. We can figure it out. Brakes aren't super important, so we'll, we'll make some sketch-ass brackets. It'll be fine. Yeah, it should be fine. Let's move on. <laughs> what did we do last weekend? What to good guys? What was your experience like, Robbie? Robbie, that was the first time you've ever been to a good guys, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was is that the first time you've been to a larger than like small town local oh, yeah, muscle was, car show. Yeah, it felt like I was at the fair. There were so many people. There were a ton of people. Yeah, if you look down place. the midway thing, yeah, that it's, main it's, strip. It's as busy or busier than the Iowa State Fair. I mean, there's cars and shit in the way, but yeah, there's yeah. just a ridiculous amount of people there. Yep. There's, I mean, what are they, five, 6,000 cars at this point? Yeah, somebody said, I think this is the first time that they've run out of car registration stickers because they have, they go up to 5,000. Or at is least they the did number? this year. Yeah, so I think they're going to probably do more next year. But There is some room for more cars. Yeah. There is some room. If you go up that hill, you know where that hospital is? That little hospital is building that what or that whatever. Is? Or, yeah, first aid stand or whatever okay. that is. It's probably okay. a first aid stand. But if you go up that hill towards the campgrounds on the fairgrounds, there's space up there. Yeah, and they could wrap around to the backside of the horse barns and down towards the swap meet a little more, too. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think could, there's space. You yeah. could probably pack... 500 to 1,000 more cars in there if you really wanted to. I think you could, definitely. But it's uh, it's it's quite an interesting event for Des Moines. Um, I thought, I mean, I've been going to that event since I was, I don't know, probably 10, maybe even younger than that. Um, and even then when it was, I don't know, it was probably a couple thousand cars then, it's, it's staggering that they can draw that many people with that caliber of car to Des Moines. Well, I guess, what are, what are the stipulations for good guys? Pre nineteen seventy two, yeah. See, I was misinformed. I always thought it was pre nineteen seventy two American. 
Yeah, yeah, Robbie thought that it had to be American on top of the pre-1972 requirement. Oh, no. So I can, kind of, when I first no. started walking around going, that's a Mini Cooper. That's a, you're lying to me. But Oh, wait, no. Well, so they they changed the rules, I don't know, five years ago, maybe not even that long ago, where on Sunday, if it's American or American-powered, it can come in. Yeah, and I think that's where my confusion came from, because you always heard about All-American Sunday, which was oh, yeah. American yep. cars. Yep. But then I always remember the pre-1972, and I just kind of combined them together for the rest of the show. Well, I think there's a stigma that the good guys is only American cars, even the regular day, the the non all American Sunday. Right. That if if I if I have a Mini Cooper or a two forty Z or a, a Datsun five ten or something like that, I can't bring it. And that's not the case. Right. Those cars are are welcomed and and encouraged. Right. They'll, they'll be dramatically outnumbered. It's clearly going to be a muscle car show. Well, that's like a just, classic car show. That's just because. That's the way, I mean, the numbers of cars that were here at the time. Right. Just the way it's going to be. Right. Yeah. I saw one Jag and... One, one Rolls Royce. There was a roller. There was a roller. And that had a small block Chevy in it. Nice. And there were like five Mini Coopers. At least. One There's always that like Mini Cooper club that's parked together. together there. Yep. There was a Morris Marina. Oh yes, I forgot the Morris Marina with with the, a small block Chevy. Small block Chevy. In it. <laughs> oh oh oh! No no no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! There was a Porsche 914. Oh yeah, that was uh, Th- that. That actually that had a small block Chevy, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. it did. Cause it was a and it was it was front engined, not rear engined, and it was a good two foot taller than it came <laughs> originally with side pipes. It was, it was quite the. Thing. It was like a weird gasser, al- almost a gasser. It was almost a gasser, but kind of like an off-roader, because I don't weird. know what was going on there. I don't know if people are going to know what a gasser is necessarily. Yeah, I didn't know what, technically what a gasser was. I knew what that style. I had no idea so it was I, called I, a gasser. My dad's like obsessed with the gasser thing, so I kind of have a pretty good grasp on it. Go uh, on. Gasser refers to like '60s, mostly I think '60s style drag cars where um, the front end is much higher than the back end for weight transfer reasons and they always have solid front axles uh, even if they came with A-arm they, they replace them for solid front axles which I don't understand <laughs> but like you can you can go to Speedway Motors and you can buy a solid axle front end kit for like a universal one to put underneath anything huh. people love putting them in like 55 to 57 there's a lot of Chevy like, two tens. Uh, yeah, like Tri Fives. Yep. And uh, Willys. Tri Fives are like Bel Airs, basically. Bel Air was like the high end. I think there was a 150, a 210, and then the Bel Air. And you could get them in two door or four door, but the Bel Airs were all two door. That'd be 55 to 57 Chevy. I don't know why I know this, but anyway, a lot of people convert those into gassers. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of, lot of uh, Willys, like 30s yeah. Willys. And, yeah. um, Yep. Then now now they're they're starting to come around to, to getting more random cars. Like uh, my dad has been talking about building one, and I want him to build a '62 Tempest because that's what we used to have as a drag car, so we could bring it full circle. <clears throat> and uh, um, he actually found one on eBay recently. Yeah, since we were at Good Guys. No. Oh no, it was a while ago. Oh oh, but, one that had already been turned into a gasser. Yeah, it's a it's a full built gasser. 60, I think, one Pontiac Tempest. Now, we, we should talk about the Pontiac Tempest because it's a weird car. There's one other thing about the gasser. Okay, talk uh, about the gasser then. The The rear axle is always, or with a full fully built 
gasser, the rear axle is moved forward a few yeah. inches. Why? And then they cut out more of the wheel well, and that's a weight transfer thing again. Huh. Seems like a lot of work. That would be altered wheelbase at that point. Yep. So, like, with old school, uh, like, nostalgia drags, if you see a car that's registered as an altered, that's usually what it means. It has an altered wheelbase from factory. Huh. So, the Tempest... <clears throat> we've it's touched, a, we've on, touched, we've touched, touched on, on that car but I didn't in the past. realize how weird it was until your dad was talking me through it's a, a stock truly one. strange piece of equipment freaking bizarre so the engine again is a slant four yes it's a I, I believe 389 was Pontiac's V8 at the time okay I think that's the right number say, yeah it sounds close and then they just hacked off a bank of cylinders but left it slanted yep it's so a you, slant four so that might be something people don't know about either. They made slant. I didn't know about slant four, but Dodge made a lot of slant sixes, which is it's it's an inline six, but it's laying slightly on its side. But that that wasn't even what this is, because that's just like a, a block that's laid slightly off kilter, and and I think that there's some engineering reasoning to it. I don't know what, but probably the same reason as a boxer, less friction if you're going yeah that horizontal. Might be, I don't know. So this is was a this V8. is literally a V8 that they just. Didn't fill one side of the casting of with. And then it's got a it's got a torque tube. Yep, which is basically a very large diameter speedometer cable inside of a tube that goes back to the transaxle. So it is a Corvair transaxle in the back of the car. It, the transmission is not between you and the passenger. It's a very small transmission tunnel, like a front-wheel drive car would. It's a bizarre little thing. The, the gear selector is just this little bitty lever that sticks off of the dash, and you just pull it up and down. I mean, it's just like three inches long. It sticks off the dash, and there's a little orange indicator that moves up and down from from park, reverse, neutral, drive. So it was a rear transaxle automatic, yeah? Yeah. That's got to be super weird, too. Yeah. Were the Corvairs? Does anybody know about Corvairs automatics? Cor- I don't know. I, well, I'm pretty sure you could get manually shifted tempests as well i just the one that we had restored was not such a bizarre little thing but because the corvair is is a rear-engined car right so that's why it had a transaxle that's a rear rear-engined air-cooled gm which is not kind of a porsche kind of a weird little car in of itself gm was doing some weird stuff in the 60s because there was the uh what was their front wheel drive car Oldsmobile had a front-wheel drive the car. The Tornado. The Tornado. Actually, there was one of those that Robbie and I saw before you were able to get there on Friday. Yeah. And I pointed that out to Robbie. I said, that's the first mass-produced American front-wheel drive car. And he looks at it and he goes, no freaking way, because they are massive. Huge. And, and, and it looks like it's set up to rear-wheel drive. It just like and That's the body style you yeah. would think. And they're V8s. Yeah. yeah. Front-engine V8, front-wheel drive. And they're huge. Yeah. Just giant. Back when GM was doing uh, some cool stuff. Yes. Jay Leno has one of those that's been converted to rear-wheel drive and makes like a 1,000 horsepower because it's got twin turbos on it. Because he's Jay Leno. <laughs> he's got nothing Obviously. better to do. <laughs> and that was back when like 500 horse was super impressive and he had a 1,000 horsepower old Toronado. Oh, I remember that car from when I was a kid, probably like 10 years old. And I was like, yeah. uh, are you kidding me? 1,000 horsepower? That's when David Freiberger's F-bomb was a big deal too. Because I think that's technically an LT1 based motor. That's a Nelson Racing Engines built. Motor. Yeah, it is, and, and it's that crazy. guy's been building crazy motors before people even knew crazy motors could be built. And that thing makes fifteen hundred horsepower. 
nuts. And, and it's it still was, and it was in uh, Fast Six. Yeah, I think it was in the sixth one. The one where they're drug running in Mexico. That's the fourth one. Sure, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Let's go with that. So, what else did we find interesting? Robbie got to go to another swap meet. Yep, I did. Now, I was I was on a mission for a wide band. Didn't did, find any. I'm kind of surprised you didn't find a wide band. There was somebody who had a, a twin turbo kit for a small block Chevy, and like the whole thing was there, right? The turbos, the wastegates, the intercooler, all the piping, the the manifolds, some of the like the boost gauge and stuff like that. And the guy like kept trying to tell us, yeah, it's all here, you know, and Robbie's like digging through it, thinking, oh, maybe there's gonna be a wide van. I can buy it from him <laughs> separately. And I'm and I keep was, trying to like nudge Robbie, like Robbie, Robbie, that's a twin turbo kit for a small block Chevy. Just let it Robbie, go, dude. Just Robbie, let it go. Just Robbie, let it go. Just stop. He's even if it's in there, he's not gonna sell it to you. Yep, he, <laughs> and I never I I refused to pick up on the fact that he was definitely telling me all Stop or nothing. Digging through my shit. Even though, even though it was spread out across the table and like on four different locations. Well, it's a big kit. There's a lot of stuff. I'm there. Go, I'm like lifting things and moving it around. Going, <laughs> there's got to be a fucking wide band in here somewhere. He wouldn't drop it. <laughs> it's on a mission. And so then, yeah, I put it. I set everything inside and like, nope, no wide band. And I kind of start to walk away and I notice he like comes over and like rearranges everything, <laughs> puts it all back exactly the way it was before. Can't take you anywhere. It's like we went to that first swap meet and you were digging through those wheels, remember? They, yeah, well, what do you think? Uh, TSW I'm, I'm, wheels or whatever they were. You were like, well, I, I got to look at this. You're like holding XXRs. it up. And I'm like, don't drop that, Robbie. I swear to God. <laughs> I was shopping. I'm going to put these on my Nissan. I'm like, we're going to get kicked out of here. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie's super handsy, apparently. Yeah. He'd be good at swap meets, but he doesn't. he's he's the wrong car culture to go to a swap meet. And we need a Japanese swap uh, meet. Swap I meet. want to start one so bad. I want swap meets to come back around and be a thing again. I'd be okay with that. Because there's just so much fun. I, I have so many fond memories growing up of going to swap meets, and I, I want them to still be a thing for my son and, and for me. You know where they may actually work would be at uh, at, a, at a track day. At Grid Life. Yeah, at Grid Life, if yeah. they had an area for like... Full on agree with you. Bring your extra like that, shit. That was always kind of my dream was was to start something like that so that I could do a swap meet there. It's not the worst idea ever. Just put your shit in your trailer when you bring your car. Grid Life event promoters, if you're listening to this, I get was, at me. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll run the swap meet next year. Let's do this. Um. Oh, we got to talk about the cars in the swap meet. So you can bring cars that don't meet good guys um, criteria criteria in i'm not really sure i don't think there were any rules i think you could bring any no, if it's if you're selling it don't matter. Yeah, I don't, yeah i don't think there's any rules at all so uh it's the wild wild west over we there. found the 10 tents um limo i guess our, uh, our future <laughs> recording vehicle god damn i loved awesome. that thing it was, was like it a, a 33 30 i think it was just 30 it was foot, a 30 foot stretch 30 foot stretched uh, what would it be? Three quarter ton? It would have been, yeah, been a one ton. It probably was a. Th- no, it was a one ton because it was, a, it was one a dually. Ton, a one ton dually. 30 foot stretched, like like the. It would have been the quad cab. Like, like the, the early cab. 90s, mid 90s Chevy Silverado dually, and it still had the bed in the back. Yeah. So it was stretched 30 foot and then still had the eight foot bed off the back of it. It was, it was so incredible. Awesome. And you looked inside and it was like 90s velour, like you were in a Cadillac or in a there Lincoln a, Continental limo. Yes. 
It was like that with glass and mirrors. There was glassware in there. There was an eight-inch tube TV. Oh, <laughs> it was wonderful. I wanted it so bad. <laughs> they didn't have a price on it, which means it's too much. Can you imagine, like, if we stroll into an event with that and, like, yeah, we're here to record podcasts, there'd be a line out one door for it. Like, yes, we want to record with those guys. Oh, you know it would be better? Because it had a 454 in it, which made decent torque but made no horsepower because it was so emissions crushed. If you could get it to make some power and then get it to do burnouts, you'd be the most popular person in the entire world. That would be so hard on drive shafts. Oh, I know. You know what we could do? Because I bet you it's like a nine-piece drive shaft. And that thing's flopping yeah. up. <laughs> Beating off the bottom of the truck. Yeah, It'd but be you'd bad. be hugely popular if you could figure out how to make that work. Well, with, with the uh, bed still being there, we could put a hot tub in. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, if my the, God. Why is that yes. not there? If nothing else, you could, like, if it's really hot at Grid Life, you could put... We you could, could redneck put, hot tub it. Yeah, you, that's could, put tarp. A, that's you fine. could put a tarp in there and then just fill it full of water and get we in We did it. that in high school. Turns out it's really hard to get it from where you filled it up with water to downtown to hang out with all your friends. <laughs> it's empty by the time you get there. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. <laughs> well, lesson learned. But if you're at Grid Life, I mean, you, yeah, you're you, not moving. You'll figure it out. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fine. You just have to find a water source. There was a pond. Yeah, we could just bring a pump. Just bring a sump pump. <laughs> Uh, what are you guys doing? Nothing. Don't worry. You have to like stand in front you of the mind pump. Your own what? Visit. What's over there? <laughs> Look at all those show There's cars. There's so many cars over here. Shut up. Shut up. Stop making noise. <laughs> I like it. So we didn't. I think it was ten grand. And if I had ten grand, I probably would have bought it. Was it was only ten grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was only ten grand. I probably would have bought it. They're giving that thing away. I'll bet. I'll bet they've it. been trying to sell that for the better part of five years, at and least. it started at thirty. They were looking probably. for idiots like us that had ten grand. I thought it was. Awesome. I wish I had ten grand. If they I knocked a zero so cool. off of it, we probably it'd probably be parked out front. Yeah, without a doubt, it'd be sitting in, in the cul-de-sac. It'd be in the cul-de-sac next to my work van, <laughs> sideways because it would. <laughs> you couldn't turn it around in the. You'd cul-de-sac. have to back it out all the way down to the road because there's no way you could turn it around here. What do you think insurance is on something like that? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a what? <laughs> what's what's the turning radius on that oh, thing? Oh, bad. Oh, I don't know. The size, it's, it's, it's a bus or the big RVs. It's got to be the same as that. It needs the quadra steer off of the, like the early 2000s GMCs. GMCs that failed all the time. Oh man. So I'm really bummed that we didn't buy that. It was so sweet. It'll probably be there next year. Uh, but next to the uh, stretched uh, oh, Silverado. God. The Robbie, sketch. Robbie didn't get to see this. It was the Sketch Van 3000. It was the single sketchiest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I got life. pictures of it. Did it say free candy? No, it no, was No, because there wasn't enough that. van left there to paint free candy <laughs> on because they went at it with a, with a Sawzall. So and- it, it was like the Dodge version of the Econoline, which I don't know what that would have been, but it was a Dodge, though. Like the new ones or the no no, 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 old, no like, like the old way, like you like and I had looked at the cool like you were like oh man those would be sweet like in the seventies the cool ones yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, this yeah. was the Dodge version which was still kind of cool, cool. I like yeah, those it was those cool. are cool van it was cool the guy had had hacksawed or something or sawzall the- from from right behind the B pillar just cut straight down and across and then went at the floor just turned ninety and went all the way to the back and just took that off so it was like a flatbed. Yes. Base, yeah, flatbed. Kind of really. like a flatbed pickup, but with no nothing behind the driver. No panel behind the driver. It's just open air. And did just they, wide open. Did they want $15 for it? <laughs> I don't know what they want. I wouldn't have given him $15 no, Robbie, for Robbie, the it. thing you don't understand is, is that it was very clear. He had put like dowel pins in the in the part that he had cut off, 
Because he had every intention of putting that back on occasionally. Making it removable. But what he forgot to do when he cut it off was move the wiring for the lighting out of the way. Because if you're looking at it, you like, there there was a bundle of wires that just there were stopped. No, there were no taillights. No taillights. How, how much None. do you want to bet that it, the battery was still plugged in and connected when, <laughs> well, he, he, when he cut that off? <laughs> Guarantee it. <laughs> Shit. Oh, God. No, no. Just keep going. It's fine. Yeah, it's too late it now. Does. But then you get around... Cause because my, my next question was, how do you put gas in this thing? So we, we go around to the back, <laughs> and you can smell gas. I can smell raw gas. You could like, literally oh smell gasoline fumes coming off of this thing. And you get you, you crouch down, so you're like bump eye level with the bumper. Yeah. And there's a hole in the bumper, and where it used to be the gas filler coming out of the gas tank is just an open hole. You stick the nozzle Just in the gas tank. But he didn't have, he didn't like no, no cap, fashion a cap. He didn't even like stick a rag in there to keep it from splashing out. It's just an open hole sticking out of the gas tank. That's good for all the mice and other shit to get inside. That's good for an engine too. Yeah, I don't think that's fuel what, filters do well with mice. Well, that's why you have a fuel filter to keep <laughs> mice out. Uh, I don't know that the mouse would get through the Pump. fuel line. <laughs> You're overthinking this. It was a joke. <laughs> Sketchiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you got pictures? Yeah, there's pictures yeah, of it. Right, we'll post pictures. Them. They're on the Google Drive if you want to look at them. And uh, we will most definitely be posting those uh, after this comes I out. I hope the owner was around there somewhere because it was just me walking around going, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? My dad started walking away. Yeah, his dad like, left because I was just walking around with my hands up in the air like, <laughs> why would you do this? He was he was being the Persian room guardian cat. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, oh, now you're going to have to post a picture of that and that's going to be on our Facebook now. That doesn't have to be on our it Just does. Google it. No, per- I don't want that on Persian room guardian cat. I would like to get one for my house. Me too. It's that weird meme with that confused-looking thing that we all thought was a monkey with his hands out. Like, ah, what's happening? Turns out it's a Persian cat. or Room room guardian cat. Room guardian cat. And what was the purpose of it? It's really supposed to guard you at night or whatever? It's an artist's... The the picture is of the artist's rendition of it. So that's, like, not a real thing. Oh, it's like a folklore thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's some sort of religion thing. Well, I think the cat's probably a real thing from, you know, back in the day. But that... White thing is not <laughs> can, is not a real. If you right. Google it, the there's there's a thing. there's a whole bunch of them with a whole bunch of random poses, and you can buy these things. It's with the like, best thing ever. His hands are like lower, or one's higher the, up, the or one, they're both really high. The one with or the whatever hand, you like want, one hand man. straight out, and the one up in the air. And I know nobody people are in their car right now; they have no clue what we're talking about. No, they do because they've seen it. It's so good, though. It's hilarious. <laughs> Why would you not want one of those in your house? All right, so back to good guys. <laughs> um, yeah, we spent a lot of the time watching the autocross, and I was really impressed with the cars. Like I, when I think of good guys autocross, I'm expecting like these boats, these huge bustle cars to be just kind of lumbering around like a bunch of cows going around the autocross course. They were hauling ass. Al yeah. Unser Jr. was there. Robbie Ju- uh, Robbie Unser no, was Robbie there. Unser. They have some some serious drivers put into some serious pieces of machinery, and then. Putting it down. Yeah. So like you look at this, that's oh, a hundred thousand dollar Corvette. That's a hundred thousand dollar this. You know, you go like all the way down, it's just hundreds of thousands of dollars. Detroit just... Speed at a hundred thousand dollar toolbox. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a toolbox with like wheels and a motor and pneumatics and all this other it was, shit. So you can move I don't know, it around. Ten foot long, eight foot long. Yeah, but yeah. It but it was at least that in height as well. Yeah, it was like square. He, yeah, yeah. He, he needed a step ladder to get to the top. Yeah. Had an air compressor built into it because I saw him uh filling somebody was filling up an air bubble off of it. 
I think that's how you jack them up. You, it's got like pneumatic shocks on it. Yeah, it's, I think it does too. But up. but you can also use it to you know air up a tire or something like that. Probably Crazy. you could probably run an impact off of it. I was really impressed with that. I think it was they're from Texas. They had the uh, saddle leather wrapped racing seats. Yeah, that was uh, glorious. The Camaro, the twin turbo Camaro. Damn. Yeah, the inside of it's all uh, aircraft themed. He has like an altimeter and a bunch of other like. Uh, airplane gauges in there and then the seats are like old school leather but they're they're recaros or no they were corbos and they were they were recovered as if it was the original like it looked like it looked like a a normal corbo cover except it was old school leather Hmm. bizarre the weird thing is though at good guys autocross which you will not see other places is that there are trucks autocrossing yes and and putting it down. Not slowly. No. Because you'll see a lot of like 67 to 72 C10s. That little uh, blazer? Yeah. Was it? That was a tube chassis. Or I, think, I think it was a blazer. I can't remember now. There's a picture of it is on there. Is blazer the GM or is that? Blazer's no, Bronco's the Bronco's the Ford. Yep. Blazer's the, Yeah, so it was a blazer. I don't think blazer. it was a Bronco. It was a blazer. Uh, he was, that was, that was a tube chassis. Like built from scratch to turn corners vehicle. Yeah, that's not a. Oh, I have this thing laying around. I'm gonna put some. Mm. I'm gonna put some 200 treadwares on this and take it no, out. There. It was. He decided he was purpose gonna do that. built. Yeah, for good guys autocrossing. Oh, the scout. The scout. Yeah, the scout. Yes, it's a 72, 72, I think scout. Yeah. Uh, so it's the scout, the bigger scout, the scout two, if you will. Uh. And I, I'm fairly certain that that's put on an S10 chassis with an LS in it. And a turbo, right? I don't think so. Oh, that one's not turbo? I don't think so. Oh, I think okay. the only the only forced induction thing was that Camaro. I think everything else there was just big KM LSs. So it's really interesting that this has become like a thing now. Good Guys Autocross is competitive. It's professional. We. It's crazy. Nope, there's I had every money intention. Payouts. Money. Nope. Summit and Speedway sent cars with trailers. Pro drivers. Pro Speedway, drivers. Speedway tours the country, goes to every single good guys in the country. There are 17 of them a year. They send Al Unser Jr. and Robbie Jr. there in full-built $100,000 muscle cars to race at every single one of those. That is what those guys do for a living now. Yeah, they have a second-gen Camaro, which is probably like a 70, say a 72. Yeah, and, that's probably right on the threshold. And a 64, I think, Nova Chevy 2. I don't know that it's that old, but 60s. It'd have to be pretty close because they changed them in 67. So is that what it is? It would is? have to be a 66. Okay. or it, I think it could be anywhere from a 61 or maybe a 60 to a 66. Okay. I'm pulling up some knowledge from like 14-year-old me when so, I was more into muscle cars, so my, my dad's don't quote gonna, me on My that. dad's going to argue with me about this, but they all look the same. It's really hard for me to tell them apart. Yeah, we accidentally called that Ford not a Fairlane because I forgot what it was. No, it wasn't well, a I called it a Nova to start with, Yeah, and then it turned out that it was a Ford Falcon. Was it a Falcon or a... Yes, it was I think a it was a Falcon. I and called you it a said Fairlane. Fairlane, but we decided just to change it to Ford let's and just, not include what it might have called a Ford in this Ford. I can see there's a Ford badge on the front. Let's just call it a Ford. Yeah. Close enough. So I'm slightly ashamed of that, but it is what it is. We're not muscle car people anymore, really. I, I like I I enjoy muscle cars. I like them better when they corner. But you get into that 60s stuff, I'm lost. 
Same here. Late 60s, early 70s, I'm pretty solid, but you get into early 60s, and then you get into 50s, and I'm done. I have no clue. Yeah, my dad can, like, tell you, like, I know this because I know the car well, but 61, 62, and 63 Tempests, they all look basically the same, but, like, the 61 has a different set of taillights than the 62 and the 63, and the 62 has a different headlight than the 63, but it's the same as the, or, but it's, yeah, so the 61 and 2 share headlights, but the 62 and 3 share taillights. And then, like, the 63 has a different chrome strip here and there. And, like, I can tell you which ones those each are. That's a bizarre part of car manufacturing and design history because they used to change them every year. We're going to change this. Yeah, at least at least in some small way they were changed annually, yes. We're going to change the turn signals. Why? Well, I don't know. And then you'll have 64 and a halfs. That right. was a thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, like the Chevelle, they change that almost every year somehow. From 64 to 70, uh, past 72, I don't count that as a Chevelle anymore, but they changed them almost every year. They changed something. And then from like 65 was one design, 66 was a completely different design, 67 was a completely different different design, 68 was a completely different design. What a bizarre time. You would never do that now. So much work. Definitely not now. No, it's, it's way too much... It's way too much time and energy spent on engineering because when you change, I mean, they were changing the whole thing. Nowadays, you get five years of of a car and then a facelift, which is still the same car underneath for five more years, and then they come out with a new one. Right. That would have been them slacking off if all they do was a facelift one year. It's it's just weird. And then so you get, you know, guys like your dad and and my dad that can identify years from, you know, 200 feet, feet away. No, it's not a 68. It's a 69. Okay, sure. Well, that that headlight's six inches farther out from from the year to year. Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just a bizarre part of car culture and history that it, it still blows my mind that they were able to manufacture that type of stuff in that type of timeline. Because like nowadays, you have three D modeling and you have your SolidWorks and all this yeah. stuff. You can knock it out in an afternoon, re- yeah. totally redesign something. All that stuff was done by hand. They were yeah. drawing with, it, drawing anything- it with a calculator, and you had to get it right. If you do it in SolidWorks now and you're like, oh, you think this is right and you put it up and model it, oh, wait, these things interfere. You can figure it out right away. Back then, things would interfere. You'd be like, oh, shit, we have to redesign this whole thing. <laughs> this whole car is off by a quarter of an inch and it changes everything. If anything, you'd think it'd be the other way around, you know, where, now where we can, we're changing yeah. cars every year. Because, yeah, exactly. Because you can, you can build a car in a week. Absolutely. Whereas back then, it should have taken them five years to build a car. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's just it's, crazy. It's super weird. It's, but there's a lot less regulations back then. They didn't right. have to comply to this and that and that and this. And it didn't take two years to get your car to go from concept to government legal because it had to go through crash tests and emissions tests and, and this and that and that and this. So Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of understandable. It's a, yeah. But yeah. Different world. Different world I for guess. sure. So the autocross was, uh, was a good time. I was really hoping that we were going to get a chance to do some live stuff there, but it's so hard to, there are so many people who are watching that autocross that there was never a good opportunity for us to stand side by side and actually do a live stream from it. There's, there's too many people there because there, there's so many people that want to see it, which is awesome. Which is weird though, because I remember when, when I was a kid, when they first started doing that, nobody gave a shit. What? They're driving cars in a parking lot. Okay, cool. I do that every day when I go to Walmart. Right. But it was funny because I was standing in the midst of all that madness, and I heard somebody say behind me, Al Unser Jr. 
is driving around in a parking lot in Des Moines. What a bizarre thing. And I was like, it is a bizarre. It is slightly bizarre. Alan, I'm pretty sure Alan Sir Jr. has won at least one Indy 500. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah. And they said that Robbie Unzer has been Pikes Peak champion nine times. I mean, these are world class drivers. And and Speedway is like written a blank check for those cars. Your mom was losing her mind over the fact that Al Unser Jr. was there. I know because apparently he was he was quite the hottie in his day or something. I don't sure. Know. I Your don't mom was losing her <laughs> mind over the fact that he was there. Crazy. A lot of people were. Well, yeah, but she was losing I know, for a different yeah, reason. Yeah, like you and I, we were geeking out about the fact that this is like a world class famous driver that could be doing anything he really wanted to. Right. He could be managing a Formula One car team for, you know, if he wanted to. And he's here in Des Moines, Iowa, autocrossing a 70 Camaro. But to be realistic, that's probably a pretty easy gig. And I don't mean that as a slight against them, but, okay, you could go through the whole bullshit of having a a whole indie team that you have to appease. And all those sponsors and all that bullshit and all those media obligations are, hey, we're Speedway. We're going to build you a really cool car. You can travel around the country and come to 15 events a year and drive around in a parking lot and meet people who are really appreciative of seeing you. You want to do that? That that Uh, whole weekend I spent trying to figure out what car I can build because it looks like so much fun. For the autocross? Yeah. I, I I think that looked that looked like a much more fun event than any other local autocross that's being held here in Des Moines this year. And they were pumping those cars through there. Just go, 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 go. It was go. a really good course this year too. Last year's course was tight and much shorter and very difficult. And the rules were clearly a little bit slacked compared to what <laughs> we've seen. I, good oh. guy's rule book is a half a page long and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> Do you need a helmet? Nah, who cares? Not really, no. A, Are you fine. a pro driver? No? Okay, uh, no. Whatever. The car has to have some level of interior. That's almost literally the wording. <laughs> that, uh, that's kind of interpreted says, how they says, feel that day. It says engine is open, suspension is open, brakes are open, car must have a 200 treadwear or above tire. That's their rule book. That's it. No ABS or traction control. That's it. It's it's, it's not whatever you it's want. Just fun. It's not the worst way to do it, to be honest. And, and maybe that's and why guys like Alan Jr. are doing it because right because it's just, it's fun. It's fun. There's no pressure. Like I mean, I'm sure they want him to win. It's great for business. But at the end of the day, what does he care? He's having a good time. He's driving an awesome car. I know that you and I could never build those cars, or we couldn't build those cars right now and be competitive there. Right, but. When you looked at at all of the sponsor cars that were there, all the big name cars that were there, they were all fairly competitive. They were all trading back and forth most of the day. Right. So, just because you have an open rule book doesn't mean that you're going to have someone who just runs away with it. No. I so. I I think it's a good idea. I like it. It yeah. works better than our autocross with the SCCA. It's just kind of it's more fun to watch. It was. Robbie Unzer, I don't, I don't know that he ever had his wheels straight. He was drifting basically that entire autocross course. It was awesome. You do that at a DMVR event, they'll tell you to go home. I know it puts the fun back in autocross. He had, he had, he was tripoding a muscle car. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sakes! Yeah, I get it. I get it's it. Crazy! Stop selling me, Adam. It's Stop. crazy. Stop. I just want to build one. 
So supposedly Good Guys is raising their year limit, and nobody knows what they're going to raise it to yet. But if they raise it high enough that I can grab a car that piques my interest, there's a very high possibility that I'll build one because the SCCA does have a class that they just copy the Good Guys rule book and paste it into theirs, and it's called CAM, which stands for Classic American Muscle. And so I could race that car competitively on a local level, on a national level with the SCCA, as well as Good Guys. There is a place for those cars at an SCCA event. So that class, if they raise the year limit to a, to fit a car that I'm interested in, it's real hard to ignore. I get it. The, the nice thing about the good good good, 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 good Guys race is that you're going to be able to get your a lot of runs in, though. If I really wanted to... I could build that car to do Optima Ultimate Streetcar, and then I can go do track day stuff with it, too. Yep. Whereas if I want to build a car that's competitive in autocross, it really isn't going to do well on a track. No. And I'm 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 not saying that I'm maturing out of autocross. I'm just looking for other things to do. I think autocross can still be a lot of fun. We just don't have a very good group for it locally. And I think that's why you're burned out on it. Yeah, I'm a little burned out on it. I still thoroughly enjoy the format, but not the group. And we should probably just leave it at that. Yep. Anything else you guys want to say about good guys? Is it raining? Or is it just really windy? It might or be is windy. That your air conditioner? Might be his air conditioner. We're really talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Who cares? Dude, he's sleep deprived. We've we've warned wow. people that he's gonna just call us. He might spontaneously combust. Yeah, you called it. He's uh, he's Did gone. Did you not hear the beginning of this podcast? Shit was out of control. Actually, he may be having. You know, when you get really tired, the first thing that happens to you is you start getting auditory hallucinations. I already can't see, so I'm not gonna start hallucinating. It's raining. Visually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the, the final thought on good guys was that I thought it was kind of funny how. You got your pre-1972 rule, and then there's everything has an LS in it, including you know all the car, basically all the cars. Most, that they were I think there was one autocross. or two Fords there, Ford engines, but there was an AMC car with an LS in it. There was more than one Ford car with an LS in it. I mean, there weren't even small block Chevys, old school ones. They were all running aluminum LSs. No, because I thought it was, when I went to Volo up in Chicago, I thought it was really obscure that there was a 68 Camaro with an LS in it. Then I go to Good Guys, it's like, oh, you're all doing this. Now I understand why you were slightly intrigued by that 68 Camaro. I, I never we talked s- about that before, because I was like, yeah, I mean, that, those fucking things are everywhere. Yeah, who, who, that <laughs> car is still very nicely priced. Oh, no, it was a nice car. It was a nice yeah, car. Don't I, get me to, wrong. To me, I had never seen that before. I didn't realize that, that was a thing, because I kind of had, I thought it was the same mentality that when you get a car like that, you don't fuck with it. It's, you want it to be... Restored stock, so there's plenty of that too. Of course, there is. So. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of depends on what it was. You know, was it an SS car originally? Do you have numbers matching drivetrain? If if it's not an SS car to start with, which the Super Sport package on the Chevy stuff, if it's not that and it doesn't have numbers matching drivetrain, then who cares? Do whatever did you, you have? Want. Did you have the the uh, six cylinder? Uh, automatic transmission, no air car. Yeah, do whatever you want with it. Just, yeah, have fun. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, you're going to put money in it, but at the end of the day, it's going to be worth more, probably if it's LS swapped at that point anyway, or, you know, fuel right. injected or whatever. I mean, do something interesting with it. It's going to be a better car, more interesting to people, and more valuable if you go that route. All right. That was, so, was kind of cool to see those 65 Cobras too. I was about to bring that up, actually. 
I was hoping to slightly avoid this conversation. But no, because fine. I think we need to have it because I had an interesting viewpoint given to me about it. Okay, so my opinion about good guys is that you should follow the year rule, and you should to follow the letter to the letter. Yes, and the rule says it's basically. I think it's the model year is what they're referencing specifically, built before either well built before 1973. Let's say let's say so it could be 1972 model year or older. So like because we're familiar with it, so we'll go with this as an as an example. Your Fiat is a 74, but they started making them in 66. So. If you wanted to be a dick, you could register yours as a 70, and no one would ever be any the wiser. No one would ever know, and they would think it's a spitfire, so... <laughs> well, that, that, actually, that... Is this an MG midget? No, sir. It says Fiat on the side. It's clearly a Triumph. <laughs> anyway. But, but yes, no, it, I could do that, and nobody nobody would care, first of all. That, yeah, that seems to be a common thing, because I was talking to a, well, the guy that let me use all his powder coat equipment this week. Yeah, he's, he's got a. I can't remember. It's like a seventy-four. I'm not even gonna go. I don't want to really because I I would like to do a feature on this car because it truly just blew my mind when I finally did get a chance to see it in person. But he's got yeah. Say it's like a seventy-four. Whatever. We're not gonna go down the path. But he said that because it was a seventy-two limit, he's like ah, they changed the body style on seventy-two. I could just say it's a seventy-two and no one would know. Right. So apparently that's what everybody does. Oh, I've I saw like a '79 Camaro like mine there one year, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this is vastly different than a '72." It's not even close. It's the same gen, but you know, the one had metal bumpers. These have these polyurethane bumpers that cover the whole nose. No, no, sir. You get out of here. You get out of here, sir. So, so why were they okay? Well, with- so so here's the other thing about yep. that. Every time I see a Cobra there. I get mad because... This harkens back to our kit car discussion, if be, you've ever listened to that right. episode. Yes. Every time I see a Willys, the, the, the Willys are almost always kits. I can just about guarantee they are because those cars were made in relatively low numbers. And almost every Cobra, maybe one out of the billion that show up There were show. none there this weekend. Okay, I can well, guarantee you that. They're all fiberglass, too. And I do not think that they should be allowed in there. And most of the T-buckets are, too. Right. Yeah, get them out. I know so that's not going to sit well with people. They're fiberglass that got made in 2010. It's not a pre-1972 produced car. And I know most people will disagree with the tea buckets especially because, you know, it's very hot rod culture and that's kind of the point of good guys. I don't care. You didn't restore that car. Somebody didn't restore that car. You made it brand new. None, of, Nothing on that car is from pre-1973. GTFO. So the almost the very last person that I thought would have argued with that statement argued with that statement and that is my father i really would have thought that he would agree with you on that because you know he's kind of he's kind of a pure he's old school he restores cars i mean i I thought he was old school i i guess you know maybe not and uh um he has this this hatred for volkswagen things okay especially air-cooled things okay and so you show up with an air-cooled Kit car. GT40 lookalike. Yep. You know, he's going to be all annoyed by that. And so what's the difference between that and, and a fake Cobra? Or that Cheetah that we saw? Do oh, the Cheetah, that? the Cheetah shouldn't be there either, in my opinion. So Robbie didn't get to see this. And he, that's probably a car he doesn't even know exists. But the Cheetah was a car that, that GM made, I think, I'm fairly certain, to combat the Cobra. Yeah. And uh, there's like literally 10 of them. 
Oh, I think even less than that, like six and two of them they crushed or something. It's just like none of them. Yeah, there's there's like none. And there was there was one with heavy air quotes there. And and he had a spec sheet. And we were stand yeah, he had a spec sheet in the whole nine yards and we're standing there next to that car and there's people with their phones like googling it. Cheetah. Oh, there's eight of these. And no. you really think that's real? Yeah, they're like, wow, it's, am- it. it's amazing to see one of these in Des Moines. And I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> you, that's, you're lying to people. I had to like re- restrain him, yeah. keep him from burning it to the ground. I was I like, mean- let me tell you something. I'm <laughs> coming over there. <laughs> we got a picture of it. I'll post it. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it, but, but shit like that, it makes me mad because people do that same shit. Oh, look, it's a, it's a Cobra. That's cool. No, it's not a Cobra. It's, it's, it's a well-done It's a Super car. America or it's a Factory 5. It's not yeah. It's not a Cobra. Because I, I made the... I'm going to pretend I was joking about it, but we'll see what happens. That if they raise the year to 80, which is what I think is probably realistic, and, and I know that there's a few other people who believe that's the year they'll do, they started making the Omni in 79, so I could buy a 79 Omni and build a good guy's autocross car out of it, and it would be hilarious. Yeah, but they will do some search in India if you start placing. They'd be like, uh, excuse me, sir, we're going to have to check well, your VIN so- tag. There, there. That's one of the differences. Bleh. One of the differences between Cam and Good Guys Autocross is Cam actually states the SCCA class actually states front engine, rear wheel drive, whereas oh. Good Guys, the only the only requirement that they have as far as platform is that it, it re- retains the general silhouette and at least ten percent of the original body. So it doesn't say anything about front engine or rear wheel drive. It, you know, you could build a mid or you could build a Corvair. I actually that was one of the cars I kind of for a second debated on because it'd be kind of cool to build a mid engine V eight Corvair and go racing with it. Yeah, and people have done it. So, but um, I I kind of mildly joked about oh if they raise it to. Uh, 80, I'll just buy a 79 Omni and swap all my parts onto it, buy some 200 treads, go racing. And my dad's like, just bring your 84, who cares? And I was like, no! It's breaking the rules, don't <laughs> and I, do it. And I actually, like, because I, I, normally I'm not a rule guy, but it's pretty black and white to me. Just go buy one, it's not that big a deal. No, it's not that big a deal. And especially if you're going to race and try to be competitive. I mean... Don't even. Just I've don't said. Go there. I've said in the past that one of my goals in life is for someone to make a rule, outlawing or re- or defining something because of something I did. I think that might be my best opportunity. Yes. Because if I end up doing halfway well in a front wheel drive, '80s Dodge, ten bucks says that next year they will have the front engine rear wheel drive rule amended. Oh yeah. All right, Robbie. What do we got for news? Um, well, we can start this off. Uh, Chris Evans has left Top Gear, which, uh, anyways, moving on. Uh, what else you got? <laughs> uh, but we kind of predicted this, that Chris Harris would end up actually being the kind of the face of Top Gear, and he's actually been given another show by BBC. I'm a little confused by this move, but... Yeah. He has it said four BBC, shows now. It yes. says BBC America specifically. It did say that, which may explain why Top Gear was canceled. Because it's too confusing. Yes. You're going to have a Top Gear America on history and then a 
Uh, oh, they're calling it Chris Harris on Cars. It's aren't Chris they? Harris on Cars, but just he's like from Top Gear, just like his YouTube channel. And then he also has a sh- an online show for the BBC called something else. I can't remember. Now. It was a name I, I hadn't even heard of. I didn't know it existed. But yeah, then he's and got apparently that debuted sometime like yesterday or something. I didn't like know that. anything about it. No, and, it soft launched apparently because I didn't see anything about and it. And then he's got extra gear and top. Gear. And, and I think top he's going to be more involved in Top Gear now with season two. Yeah, okay. it sounded to me like they're going to try to keep LeBlanc in the studio more. Which I don't know if that's the right move or not. What I would really like them to see, uh, and I'm not saying this because I think they need three. Uh, I'm saying this because I think that this is the best move for that show. They need to take LeBlanc and Rory Reed and Chris Harris and knock the other two off. Get rid of Sabine and get rid of Eddie and just let those three ham- like go hog wild. That's kind of. I, th- I think that you're going to get the best show that way. Even if Chris Harris doesn't have all this extra crap to watch. I think that's going to be a lot better show. I'm a little afraid that Chris Harris is running himself a bit thin, too, with yeah. all these things he's trying to do. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Maybe maybe what they'll do, because they only shoot like six episodes of Top Gear at a time, or nine, or I don't know what this new format's going to be. It'll probably be off-season stuff. probably be off-season stuff, which yeah. that might not be so bad. So, I don't know. I know Hammond and uh, and May have both have always done shows outside of Top Gear on off-seasons. I don't think Clarkson ever... Or, has not in a long time, at least. But Hammond, yeah, and they, they both did. They did TV so shows. Maybe, so, yeah. So maybe that's what Harris is doing. Is but they they would also do the live shows too, and they would tour. But that's only been in the last couple of years. Yeah, but it's you know if you got to fly to Johannesburg to do a couple of live shows, it takes up time. It's something you're doing in the off season. Right. But that's only else. been recently. So I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else on that. No, not it's really. good news for Chris Harris as long as he doesn't burn himself out. And I'm then, excited. I like Chris Harris, uh, I think, more than any other automotive journalist. Yeah, I think we kind today. of all, all agreed that that's the direction we hoped Top Year would go mm-hmm. when we first debuted the, with that. So. Yep. We wanted more Chris Harris. So, yep. so we got it. Um, moving on. Uh, the first Tesla autopilot death has occurred. Um, what happened was a guy was using the beta version of this autopilot that Tesla is working on. Supposedly, they're all beta. Yep, which and they make you sign. They make you agree to a release thing. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, it's we'll, on the we'll, touch we'll, panel, we'll get onto that in a little bit. So what happened was he was driving with autopilot on, a truck and trailer pulled out in front of him, and he did not stop and ran right into him. Yeah, so there's been some speculation that maybe he was watching a DVD in the car at the time. And then since that article came out, there is another article claiming that that DVD player was not even powered up. At the time, at the time, so that so was that just speculation. He had a DVD, portable DVD player in the car with Harry Potter in it. There is no proof that it was playing, and the cop that was there claims that he never said that it was on. That's so, yeah, because I remember that in the original report, I thought it was the driver of the other vehicle claimed he heard it. Yeah, that's what I read right. too. And the police officer said it was not on when he was there. Or something okay, like that. So, so like, getting it's, some it's, conflicting stories. Yeah, so about that. every article you reads a little bit different because the. the the facts are not all out there yet. Yeah. So basically what has happened is that the the Tesla, I mean, for different reasons, basically it cannot see like anywhere from six inches off the ground and then anywhere from above the hood, basically. So the entire greenhouse of the car up to the roof, it can't see in its brain. Which seems like a flaw to so me. So what happens when there's a dead raccoon in the middle of the lane? I don't think it can see that. 
So you just run it over? Yeah. Well, not nah. pass. Oops. Supposedly, from what I read from Jalopnik, and again, it sounds like maybe we don't have all the facts on this, but it can't see like the first six inches above the road, and maybe that's just at the front bumper. Maybe it, that you know angle slopes down towards the road, but it obviously cannot see from the top of the hood up because the first crash that happened with autopilot, which the guy was outside of the car summoning it with his phone or remote, or I don't know how that works, but you can summon the car from a parking spot. It ran into a trailer, too, because um, it couldn't see the trailer. The greenhouse ran into the bottom of the trailer. So it's the same type of accident. Yep. It's happened twice, but this time this guy was moving at highway speed. and it uh, Cars are not meant to take a hit in that A-pillar like that. Right. And we, and we've, no. And we've gone down this discussion before about autonomous vehicles in the first place, and this has really sparked the debate because Tesla has come out and said, this is not intended to be auto... like. Autonomous. It's auto. Right. It, it drives itself on the interstate. It drives itself in light traffic. The human still needs to be there. You need to make judgment calls. You need to be paying attention. You need to grab the wheel and right. You, you got to keep. You got to keep your hands on the wheel, as we've said before, because yep. it'll beep at you if you don't yep. touch the wheel occasionally. Won't it disengage eventually? Yeah, which yeah, seems it, really dangerous. It'll, it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll, yeah. If you don't touch, you're it, not it'll, paying it'll attention. Well, fuck you. It'll slow. Yeah, it'll slow down and gradually come to a stop <laughs> or pull over or whatever. Yeah. Well, then the, it sparked a bunch of articles and debate lately of if you're going to go autopilot, you're going to go autonomous, you can't have a steering wheel. You need to either go 100% right. the computer's in charge or 100% the, the uh, driver's in charge because this middle ground area is clearly going to be an issue. That I agree with. Right. And it goes, that, so then it goes back to, and I can't remember if we've talked about this on air or not, but now you have to program scenarios where the car will kill you. Yes. So in the case with the tractor trailer, what's the best case scenario? Is it kill the driver? Can the car get out of the way and go into a ditch and not kill anybody? Or if it swerves, is it going to hit a minivan that's got six people in it and a bunch of little kids? Everybody's going to die. You got or you know, so maybe the autopilot would have killed the guy anyway. Right. Oh, I it's see what you're saying. Interesting so, ethical debate at so that point. So the person who is making those programming decisions probably will have to program a scenario where the driver will not survive in order for the greater good for the greater good yep well that oof yeah that's heavy shit man i was kind of looking into this today too and it, what confused me about the whole thing is like with a beta test the 90 you know it's, it's most of the time it's like a software thing so you put you give out the software to a select few people and you say this is you know, Here's our, the stipulations of what we're yeah, doing. It's here. our it's our beta version. It's not ready for commercial use. Yep. We got stuff that we know we need to fix. And now you tell us what we need. What we aren't seeing. Mm-hmm. So like we we look at it with an engineering mindset. We think we understand it. We we, we aren't going to see things that the everyday driver sees, and that we're just going to overlook it. So then you give it to your select people, and then they come back and give you feedback, and you fix the flaws until you get the perfect product, and then you send it out to commercial. What. I found really weird about this. When I was doing test engineering stuff with Bobcat, we would send out attachments and stuff to like a couple people. Mm-hmm. Tesla has sold a total of 130,000 Model S's since the beginning. Their beta version went to 70,000 vehicles. That's not really a beta That's test. That's not a beta to me. No. That is too many vehicles. Your, your beta test should be like less than 20% of your total users. Yes. Right. That's probably being generous. And I think the other thing is if you buy the base model, 
it's it's written right on there. You don't get autopilot. Right. So it's a selling point. Right. To get the autopilot, which to me is now it's a feature. Now it's a production feature. Yeah. So if yeah, if you're giving it to that many people and are making it available to that many people, it's not a beta version anymore. No. You're you're using the beta cover to get yourself to cover out of your jail. Ass. Yeah, to get yourself out of jail free. So that's kind of where my biggest issue was as I was looking into it, going, wait a second, this isn't adding up. This is this is bullshit. So I I have a hard time with it, them giving it to that many people and saying, this is a beta version. We know it's not safe for, for the public yet. But half our half our fleet has it. More than. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely an issue. So now the debate is, and there's a consumer rights group or consumer protection group, or I don't even know who it was, but I read an article saying that they want to, they're ordering, for lack of a better term, Elon and the Tesla executives to pull it because they're claiming it's unsafe. Now, to be fair, in Elon's defense, he did say, and he's gone off the deep end this week. He's yes, he really a crazy has. person. But he said, statistically, it's still safer than driving your own car. It is. because which, Okay, fair enough. I also did the math on that today. Oh, you did? Because there are roughly 260 million vehicles in the United States and 40,000 vehicle deaths a year. Okay. And there is 70,000 70, Tesla Model S's with autopilot. Only one death. Okay. So you're you're talking one out of 6,800 versus one out of 70,000. So, I mean, it's still better. It's but quite a bit better, yeah. Has the autopilot func- been, a fun- been a functional thing that the everyday Tesla owner can use for a year? I think it's about a year. Uh, yeah, maybe. Close. Because in order for that data to be accurate... It's got to be a year. And all of the Tesla Model S owners need to be using it 100% of the time. Yeah, I made a lot of assumptions in this. Because if you only use it 10% of the time that you're driving your car, then then it's probably not an accurate number that right. way. Right, absolutely. Yeah, maybe it hasn't been a year yet. Because I think Alex Roy did it, he did his cross-country run about the time that... That was probably six months ago. Yeah, so maybe it's not been a year. So he's probably... he's. He's stretching, but like I said, he's been being really weird this week. He's he said some weird shit. He's gotten super well, defensive about the whole thing. So going out on Twitter, I, I I tend to get a bit defensive when people attack things that I feel really strongly about. Yeah, and the Model S is his baby. Let's face it. I mean, yeah. this is what that T- guy Tesla has, is his baby. Yeah, this is what that guy has based his his entire life around, and so I can understand jumping on the defense when people are attacking his baby. Right, wrong, or indifferent. No, I, I get it. I get why yeah. he's being overly defensive about it. But when you're CEO, you don't you don't get to do that anymore. I mean, you can do that behind closed doors, but not you on don't t- get not on, on Twitter. Not on Twitter? You don't do it on Twitter. Yeah, well, I suppose. I'm sure his lawyers are probably really pissed off this week about the way he's handled this. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was looking into it, and I noticed, like, Google's doing the same thing. Like, they're not making the Model S. They're not giving the beta quote air quote beta version to 70,000 people but they're testing autonomous vehicles there there's vehicles on the road right now they have like like 160 million miles or something crazy logged already but they're getting to that point where they have to log scenarios that are extre- that you know you're going to get into on a daily basis that are extremely dangerous where you do have to decide life and death that's something that you have to program into the computer to make a decision that a human would normally make so even google has said like we've got millions of miles of data and all this stuff that we've done we're not even close to being ready like they're talking 2020 to even th- even consider it's, it that's a weird ethical gray area yes and and that's that's what sparked the article like that google article 
was basically saying you need to decide cars driving or your driving. No steering wheel. Yeah, but even if we go fully autonomous, there may still be a scenario where you have to because there's still Absolute, pedestrians, there's absolutely. bikes, and there's there's going to be people on motorcycle. You know, you have to get rid of motorcycles probably. Yeah. No more motorcycles on the street. I would say it doesn't. I think what Google's trying to say is is your car either has to be driven by you or driven by the computer, but not all of the things have to yeah, be driven right, by right. you or the computer. If you buy an autonomous car, but I don't, that's perfectly acceptable. Yes. Right, but in order to make it as safe as possible to reduce the number of scenarios where a programmer has to decide, am I going to kill the driver right now? You have to get everything off of the road that isn't autonomous. Because anytime you introduce people, pedestrians, people on bicycles, people on motorcycles, they're going to do something that the autopilot may not predict. And now it's got to make a decision. Do I run over the motorcycle or do I crash into this tree or, you know, right. So you think, I'm just saying, it's just, again, it's that weird ethical gray area. What do you, what do you do? Yeah. It's like, I think that you should assume the risk of choosing the autonomous, uh, and, and the computer should always, uh, play to the, to the other. What's the best scenario? Say so. A pedest- say a pedestrian jumps out in front of the car, and you're going 40 miles an hour. You go left. There's a car next to you. You go right. There's more people on the street. You know. My like, thing about how, that. How, my thing about that is that I think that the computer, the computer in the car, can be more aware of its surroundings and make a more informed, safer decision than any human possibly could. And. I'll bet you if that scenario happens 10 times in a row, the car will make the better decision 90% of them. Right. And, now, that, that's, and that's what their struggle is. How do we program that? It's just going to take time. The, yeah. other, the other thing... Which, I, is, which is my biggest hang-up. These beta versions shouldn't be fucking out there right now. No. The other interesting thing but, that I heard is that you could potentially murder somebody with an autonomous car. Yes. Think about that. So if you are if you've got some weird vendetta against somebody and you want to kill them, but you don't want it to be attempted murder or manslaughter, you could jump out in front of their car and in his scenario where the car is gonna kill choose to kill you over killing the pedestrian that jumped out in front of you, it could swerve into a wall or and, and it could kill you. Right. It's just something to think about. I I don't remember where I read that, but somebody said you have to consider that people could kill other people on purpose if it's designed purely to Kill if the it has to kill the driver, yeah. So because yeah. people do, I mean, people do weird insurance fraud that same oh, way yeah, too. All the time, jump out in front of cars and you know box in cars and then crash them. And my biggest issue is it shouldn't be on the street yet because of stuff like this. There are people that are going to find the loophole and they're going to exploit, exploit it. it. Yeah, absolutely. For insurance fraud for absolutely. whatever reason. Absolutely. And right now they're clearly not ready for this. If they can't even handle merging traffic. How are you going to ever They can't answer handle? any of the questions that we've just brought up. Right. Yeah, we've argued about this for like 15 minutes already, and they had all these questions. No one has an answer to them yet. So, yeah. So I have a couple of cool things that it does. Okay. Just to lighten the mood a bit before we move on. Okay. Uh, apparently, let's say that your commute that you take every day is always the same, right? But say you live in a more exciting part of the country than we do, and you have some actual corners in, the, in your commute. The first time you go through that with your Tesla, it may not handle that very well. But next day, it will do it better. 
because it learned what it had to do and and it will make itself better on your predetermined route. Well, it's like Google's autonomous vehicle does that too. Yeah, it, so, it'll it'll learn well, the sure. driver's techniques. But that's that's kind of cool that yeah. it can that it can improve itself day by day. The other thing that you can do with a Tesla, and this you can probably do even off of autopilot. Mm-hmm. Teslas apparently have some mild level of of uh, magnetically controlled ride height. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm guessing that when it's lower, it's probably uh, managing the un- the air under the car a little better, and so it gets better efficiency that way. But if you know that there's a bad bump or dip in the road, and at its lowest setting, you'll you'll bottom out. You can program that in on the GPS, and the car will lift itself up as it approaches that area, and then after it passes, it will drop itself back down again. So I I know that that uh there's a frost heaved spot on this on on this county blacktop I have to drive to get to work every day and my Tesla's bottoming out as I cross it you can tell the GPS hey lift up 2 inches here and tomorrow it will do that it's a lot of user input that's not as cool as the uh 90s Tesla or uh Lexus LS jumping over a speed bump have that you was seen crazy that? Like, what have you, have you seen, seen that? that video oh yeah it's yeah, crazy. It, yeah. I would rather have a jumping Lexus. Well, in college, they kept saying that this is the future, and that that it never never, never went to production. <laughs> I'm, I'm overly nerdy, and I'll admit it. But uh, programming in uh, my car needs to lift up here and drop back down again. Totally something I do. Just remember, yeah. you're the minority on that. Yeah, probably. Nobody wants to take the time to do it. If they if they don't want to take the time to drive themselves, they don't want to take the time to program yeah, it. Well, whatever. Then right. you can bottom out your Tesla. It's not my problem. They're busy. They're busy <laughs> on their iPad. Then, then, then to me, it goes back to if you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car that drives itself, it better be able to see what's in front of it. Absolutely. Anyways, are we going to talk um, about this other maybe stupid manufacturer yeah, thing? No, we have to because okay. from an engineering standpoint, it's this shouldn't have been made it to production either. I don't even know what it is. So, uh, Fiat Chrysler has this huge recall right now because of all of the uh, confusing shifter issues they're having with the. Uh, uh, ZF transmissions. So yeah, the eight-speed eight eight speed automatics. So uh, the, what happens is the shifter is basically like a, one of those, like you know when you get those auto automatic with the manual bump shift option. So you put it and you put it in drive, then you pump it over, and yeah. you can manually control the. Yeah, the if you trans- push it forward, you push it back. Yeah. So if you push it up, it goes up uh, up a gear. If you push it back down, it goes down a gear. That's basically what this shifter does. It sits neutral in the middle. And then if you want to go to park, you push it all the way forward, three clicks. So And it's three separate clicks, mind you, not just one. You just go click, click, click. Well, no, they're to- detents. You just push, you go, it's a smooth, you just click it all the way forward. It's not a one, two, three. It's a oh, is one it? motion click forward. Okay, see the guy, the video I was watching, he made it look like... Yeah, I, I, yeah he kind of went one, two, and then three, but it's you can just slam it forward and it's in park. Okay, but yeah, so, but it, there's no like actual click. There's no gate. Yeah. So yeah. like when you pull it back all the way, you're in drive. Then if you push all the way forward, you're in park. And then you have to kind of find your middle ground for reverse and neutral. Yep. And the only thing that shows you this is an indication light on the shifter. So if it's in direct sunlight, you don't see it. You can't see the light because it's not bright enough. I think it says it on the dash too. Does it say on the dash? I th- I my opinion on this is that where do you draw the line on people's own stupidity? I don't know that. Because I have not driven this one, I have driven the Mercedes though, which has a separate park button. So you have to you hit a button and it's in park. Mm-hmm. 
That's the ZF still, isn't it? I think it's the same Because there's a lot of yep. companies yeah, using that. Cause I think the, GM's they, using it, too. They say you have to design your interface for the transmission. Here's the transmission. Figure it out. So, but to me... Which is I'm, super cool to me that they can do that. Yeah. But anyway. To, to me, this reeks slightly of people being stupid and irresponsible. So That, too. So hey. here's, here's what I know from someone who owns one of these. Okay. One of the hosts of Driving While Awesome, another podcast has one and some one of the other guys asked him because he didn't care you know what do you think about this and he goes look down it's in park move on if you're if you're not smart enough to verify your vehicles in park well that's not my problem bro that that you shouldn't be driving a car the other thing is i know that there was an issue. People are claiming that be, on the current model cars, if it's not in park and you shut it off and open the door, you, basically you can shut the car off and, and walk away from it if it's not in park. It does beep at you and says, "Hey, asshole, I'm not in park." What? What? What do you? What do you need to? to what do you want from? I, that's what I'm saying. Is to where me, do we tell people? To me, something like the ignition on the, the the ignition recall for GM, where you can accidentally bump it with your knee and, and kill the car and lock the steering wheel. That's not that's not because you're stupid. That's just because you have really long legs and your knees are up in your steering wheel's business all the goddamn time. It's not your fault. But if you're too stupid to verify that your vehicle's in park, I don't really feel that sorry for you. And I know somebody died. Or and if you're was, too distracted to well, verify that your vehicle's in park, I don't feel that, sorry for you. That's been the problem. People have been on their cell phone and walked away from the car when it was in neutral or in reverse, and then it's rolled away. That's the problem. Bet you don't do it twice. I bet they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, then, well my, then you can continue to pay for the damages that your car causes. Well, my, my thing with this is... It's overly complicated, or like it's, they're they're trying to make it simple, but at the same time they're making it overly complicated because the the re- response to this is, oh, there needs to be more sensors, there needs to be more this that. Why don't you just have three fucking different locations like in the past? Like what what, what was wrong with the old design that worked? You clearly were here. You're in park if it's here. You're in drive if it's here. This this landing in neutral shit where you don't know where it's actually at, like you can push it all the way forward and then it goes back. It comes back to the same spot. Exactly. So you don't know where it's sitting unless you see the light or you're looking at it directly. Why? Most aren't most modern cars set up now where if it's not in park, the doors are locked. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. So make it so that the door is locked as soon as it's pulled out of park. And even if you pull on the door handle, it doesn't unlock unless you push the button or put it in park. Right. So if you pull well, on your door handle and the door doesn't open, your car's not in park. You so can't get out. Chrysler has agreed to release a software update that will basically do that. And I think we should just move on. I don't think anybody should be suing Chrysler. No. I don't no. think anybody should It's done. Why should you be able to sue Chrysler cuz you're too stupid or distracted to pay attention close enough to make sure your vehicle's in park? I'm I'm not about hurting people and I feel bad that the famous guy died and all that stuff, but I'm kind of in agreement with Adam on this. If you can't figure out how to get your car in park, it's not that complicated. Feeling super cynical today, I guess, but that's, that's just well, how I feel about it. I don't. I just. I just. I don't like the design. I, I get really, from an engineering standpoint. I really, what you're I talking really about. don't like the design. They're because you have to add safety features to your quote unquote better design to make it perform like your old design. That's yeah. That's it's not fucking ideal. backwards and more expensive and stupid. Just yeah. simplify it. Keep it simple. 
fucking. I, don't, like, <laughs> I agree with I, that no, too. I'm with, you. I'm with you. I think everything's too complicated. It was in it general. was a poor design to, from the get go, but that doesn't give people the right. To, no, I, to I, sue I, I, them I think we're actually probably saying the same thing dumb. here. Yeah. So, so anyway, let's, yeah. let's move, move on past to stupid people. More fun. So Red Bull and Aston Martin have teamed up and created the. What's going to be the best car ever? Let's face it. This is the, stupid, too, but in the best way possible. <laughs> well, guess what? It's not autonomous, and um, actually, this it's probably got automated manuals, so you could probably leave that in neutral and roll it down your driveway, too, if you're a dumbass. But it has many amazing features. It's wonderful. It's Red Bull and Aston Martin basically took their top engineers. Basically, I think it's their F1. Adrian Newey. Yeah. He has he, 10 he, Constructors Championships in F1. He's built a car before, and it, it was fast. What car was that? He built a road car? No, I'm just saying that he's built... Oh, he's yeah, built yeah. Some, he's built Formula he's, One cars. Yeah, he's built okay. some cars, and yeah. he knows how to make them go fast. They're, yeah. they're just kind of quick. So they're, the intent behind this car is to make it as fast as a Formula One car for the street. An LMP1. It's, it's supposed to be as fast as an LMP1 car around any track in the world. LMP1s are just a tad slower than F1. Not significant. They're, no, the, no. they're the prototype class, the top prototype yeah, class. They're the yeah. top, but they are they are slower than the F1 cars yep. around like Spa because that's one of the few tracks that both classes race at. Yeah, they it's are. An enclosed they are a few car. seconds slower than a Formula One car, but it is not much. So this car will be called the AMRB001. I think that that's a a right. code name. That's not. So you figure out what that stands for. Um, one to one power to weight ratio. Yep. So it'd be like the Kona Seg one to one with a naturally aspirated V12. You keep those batteries, sir. We don't yes. want them. No, I've, no, no batteries. Yeah, huh? Mm-mm. Nah, sir. No batteries. Uh, the article I read said that it doesn't even have a reverse gear because the hybrid system is going to be the backup setup. Robbie, you look it up. I'm looking right now. Keep keep talking. There's so a I, car and driver article about it. Oh, car and, car and driver is the one that lied about the Apple. Or road car, and so track. I, I, I mean, sorry, them. road and track. So they uh, they're it's gonna quite make clearly stated. They're gonna make like a hundred of these, maybe up to hundred and fifty of them. Um, no pricing available yet, and no. I, I think they're estimating like four million. Oof, four million. Because for for when the when the Vulcan isn't good enough, this is what you. This buy. is what you buy when you have just way too much money. Someone's already this. selling a Vulcan on the next Monterey auction. Yep. It's awesome. doesn't happen they, until they, August. They, they so probably we, ran out of money. We, can, we yeah. can save our pennies and dimes and we can buy it. Yeah, it's a sweet purple color, too. Yeah, yeah I, do like, I do like sweet, that purple. sweet, isn't it? Sick. Yeah, this article says nothing about hybrid. It is a naturally aspirated V12 with enough grunt to give the car a perfect one-to-one power-to-rate ratio. Yeah, it was my understanding that it's not hybrid, but we shall see because there are very limited details on this so far. Yes. Um, but it is exciting. It looks exciting. It looks awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, but yeah, because you can. T- I read an article that said quite clearly Think that it will have no reverse gear in the transmission, and that the batteries for the hybrid system will be what allows it to back up. Isn't that what the Agera does? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what the Agera does. Regera, Regera, whatever. The Agera does not have batteries to power into forward motion. So anyway, yeah, I think that's it on that one. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Everyone should look at it's it. Something we're definitely lost, gonna be keeping lost an eye at, on lost after it because uh, it's still very. My understanding with the stuff I read about it was that the car that you see in those pictures isn't even for sure what it's gonna look like yet. Right. 
So we so, don't even know. Because so, it, it clearly has heritage to the Vulcan. You can kind of see it in the design. And then it also has heritage to the um, F1 cars. You can kind of see that as well. Or the LMP1 cars, rather. They had a ship date, didn't they, though? It was like 18, maybe? 2018? Yeah, uh, I don't so know. they got a little ways before they got to get. They have this, some time. They to have design. some time to figure it out. If if the engineers at Chevy could do it with pencils and paper in a year, <laughs> I think these guys <laughs> these can guys do can it. figure it out. Yeah. All right. So I think that's probably a safe bet. Moving on. Um, we met this guy Ryan Turek at Gridlife. Did meet him. Uh, turns out he's doing big things in the drifting world. <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> noticed, if you have, if you've been under a rock and haven't been on any automotive site in the last few Ever. days, um, he's taking a uh, Ferrari or the engine out of the Ferrari 458, and he's swapping it into his uh, Toyota FT86 because that's an easy thing to do. And, you know, why not? So this might be my favorite V8 of all time. Yes. 9,000 RPM redline from the factory. Glorious sounding engine. And I'm pretty sure Michael hates everything about this just based on the look on his face. But... I, I seriously, I'm so excited to see this and hear this thing. This this car is gonna be awesome. I don't get it. Why? Please explain why the, you the are fact, not into the this. The fact that we're talking about it right now is it reason enough? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, but what it's th- for. that's because it's a publicity stunt. Yeah, pure so? and simple. Because, it, oh, there's no denying that. Oh, hey, Ryan Turk, I know you've got a 600 horsepower, 600 foot pound of torque uh, drift car currently. Would you mind losing 200 foot pounds of torque? Ten bucks says that two JZ does not make six hundred foot pounds. Well, that's just in a street car. What about his his actual Formula drift car? Uh, those big turbo motors don't generally make all that great a torque. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Robbie? <laughs> are you watching him drift that four five eight? No, I'm just listening to a four five eight engine on a on a dyno. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's going to sound so good sliding around a court. I think they can hear Yeah, people can hear it, Robbie. People can hear it, Robbie. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Purely for sound? Yeah. Not for any real and, and, purpose? And the fact that it's going to be just awesome. Yeah, it's just a publicity. My, my biggest I want to see how he's going to get air into it. Because yeah, because he had to cut part of the firewall out. He had to cut part of the firewall and the, the windshield out. And, and then he, the, uh, those pipes are basically just where the dash used to yeah. be. He's going to have a big, like a cowled hood. It has to. Awesome. Um, the sad part is that intake is going to have to come off. No, it doesn't or, have to. Or could he, just, have, he could he have could filters just like coming up. and filters sticking up yeah, I somewhere. Could. I don't know where. But. He'd almost have to have filters just coming out of the hood. They'll straight figure up. it out. And for some reason, I had it in my head like, oh, yeah, have turbo pipe. He'll have hater filters. Yeah, he will. That's the best way to do it. Doesn't make any Instead sense. Instead of hater pipes. They also have no idea what transmission they're going to hook this thing up to. I thought <laughs> the video had a picture of a transmission. No, the, the article. Uh, he, I they, think it was just a shot of a transmission in the shop. Yeah, is also, that, that is also not its final resting place in the engine bay. Yeah, because they want to get it lower. So, uh, publicity stunt? Yeah. It's clearly, so it's clearly working for gum out. I don't yeah, see, it is, exactly. I don't see what's wrong with it. I'm it's, just it, saying, let's let's call it how we see it. The yeah. engine doesn't fit in there. They had to cut the car apart to get it in there. Yeah. They don't know how it's going to work. Nope. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. These are all the things I love. If, okay. if this is what, if this is direction that uh, all these automotive companies are going to go for publicity stunts, I'm all for it. I don't think it's a good drift engine either. We'll find out. It makes less torque. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that really matters Just to saying. a guy like Ryan Turek. 
Just saying. Because he doesn't drift at low RPMs. He drifts at red line at 100 miles an hour, and the car's bouncing off its rev limiter the whole time. It doesn't. He doesn't really need a whole bunch of fat bottom end torque. Plus, it's a peaky engine, super peaky. That's fine. It just doesn't make torque. He, he's used to big turbo motors. I, I don't. Just those are peaky super, as yeah, well. Super laggy. I'm just saying. Just saying. I mean, this is this is being built for a sport where someone has a a Murcielago that he drifts at a professional level. I mean, that's just what they do. I know, I know. It's insanity for insanity's sake, but Mad Mike all has a it. quad rotor, twin turbo, twelve hundred horsepower, third gen Miata that he drifts. I mean, that's just what they do. They build wild, crazy publicity stunts, and then they go chuck them at walls. I know. I'm not against drifting. drifting. You know, I'm going to try it with a twin cam. I'm just saying that. I don't <laughs> think this twin is, if you could if all things equal this is the correct drift motor that's all I'm saying yeah so I'm not saying LS swap the world either because you know there's too much of that but I, I'm just calling it how I see it that's all yeah so if you can drift a, a rotary because Mad Mike's old drift car was a quad rotor naturally aspirated car if you can drift that you can drift a 458 powered GT86 Oh, I'm sure you can. I just don't think that this is going to be like Formula D competitive. And I don't. I, I honestly don't think it's meant to because, to your argument, the 458 engine is 562 horsepower, 398 horse or foot pounds of torque. Right. Ryan Turek's Pro Drift FRS. Um, it is. That's what I get for Probably opening. That's what I get for. Horse. That's what I get for opening the article every time. 850 horsepower and 760 foot pounds of torque. So it's 350 foot-pounds of torque less. But his Half. street car, with heavy quotes, doesn't is about what that 458 engine makes. The car he had at Grid Life is probably about what that 458 engine makes. Yeah. He, could, he could bring a car like that to Grid Life events or, or like those U.S. Air events that, that Luke and Matthew were talking about last week and just go out there and have fun, enjoy drifting with his friends. It's not... I mean, it's not competitive on a national scale. That's fine. He's going to draw attention for his sponsors. He's going to draw attention for himself. He's going to draw crowds to the shows. That's what that car's built for. Yeah, at right. the, at the end a, of the, it's a publicity. Stunt. At the end of the so day, it's, it's an advertisement. It's an advertisement. Absolutely, that's, it is. And that's, and that's it's fun. working fine. It's okay. great. It's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm ex- excited to see how they make the intake work. Or not have the car not fold in on itself because they took a lot of structure. Those stuff out. Are those dry sump? Oh, I'm sure they. Yeah, yeah I'm they sure got to be. They got to be already. That's kind of yeah. Because it's gonna be hard to get that. I, wonder, I want to know how many. I want to know how many Ferrari diehards are just like cringing. And I wonder where it came from. You think he bought it on uh, Copart? He bought it on Copart, <laughs> didn't he? eBay.co.uk. <laughs> I bet he got it on Copart. Because yeah. yeah, they don't make the uh, well. Yeah, because the new 488, they don't even make that engine anymore. I don't think. I think no, that I engine's so. been replaced. So it's not like you went to. I'm sure yeah. Ferrari wouldn't sell you one. Not if they don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you drive now, and what do you do? You're a drifter. Uh, no, there's the door, sir. Please. He yeah. They don't sell that crate engines. That should have been the intro to his publicity stunt video. Was He's going to Ferrari? It was the recording order. of him calling Ferrari HQ and asking if he could buy a four five eight engine for he his drift car. He should have paid a dealer like a large sum of money to make a phone call from their parts department. Like, yeah, we need a replacement four five eight engine for a uh, VIN number. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> It's not too late. <laughs> and have the, have the engine come in, and then Ferrari starts seeing these videos like, oh, my God. 
Asshole. Ryan, if you're listening, please, please Try. do that for your first advertisement. Do this instead. That's way more interesting. All right, anything there's else? A, there's a co-part right off of Highway 35, or off of Interstate 35 in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Just keep driving at them. Just keep driving. Like, Don't driven stop. by it four times in the last three weeks, and just keep driving. Just keep driving. Don't stop. I've got an active co-part account. I can spend up to $2,500. They have a tall enough fence that I can't see in there, and I'm really glad about that. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing sucks, because you'll see a car on there that you want, and then you have to wait like 60 days before it comes up for auction, and then somebody will snipe you. And you'll end up, you know, and then it's twice as much as you wanted to pay you for it. You can only spend 2500 bucks. You have to give them like a deposit. It's really weird how it works. So I think to open the account, I had to give them 100 bucks, And then if I want to spend more than that, I think they have to like call my bank or something and ask if I have the money and then they have to add that to my digital account and then I can spend more money. I bet if you had a dealer license or or a tax ID or something like that, that, that stuff probably all goes that away. That process goes away. Yeah, but since I'm just an individual, they have all these dumb rules, which would really suck if you were like really close to winning a car and all of a sudden it went for $2700. You'd be so pissed. <laughs> Damn it. Flipping every table in yes. my house. Computer would be damaged from flipping the desk. <laughs> That's all we got for news, right? I think so, yes. Uh, Robbie and I are going to O'Drift Collective's event tomorrow. Uh, Sunday, we're going to the IndyCar race at Newton. So we'll have some Iowa updates Speedway. for that um, coming up soon. Um, I don't know if there's anything else going on. Adam, you got anything over uh, there? There's a Cars and Coffee When's on that? the 16th. This is uh, Cars and Coffee. Uh, I'm not sure which one that is. It's a group or the page. Lo- That's what, what I'm lo- trying to figure well, out. Okay. Because I'm whatever. looking at my Mill Civic. So it's the page. Group. Damn it. Which it's one is it? No, Mill, no, Mill Civic the page. is the page. Yes. It's the page. <laughs> Have different names, please. It's the same name. It's funny because in the notes, it says no revving, no burnouts, no speeding in or out of our shows. Whoops. In all capitalized. No have, two, they forgot no two-stepping. Yeah, we have a friend that wrote those rules, basically. Anything else coming up? We also have a friend that was the reason those rules were written. Yep. So, um, oh, I know. There's a hot import nights next week, Saturday. Chicago. In Chicago. I know something we need to announce that we haven't talked about. Uh, or maybe we did on the last show. They're shutting down Marshalltown. Yeah, yeah they, they, they are shutting down Marshalltown. Uh, so we will not be racing out there now, which is probably part of the reason why I'm trying to find something else to do. Or I guess it's a catalyst, because I was already trying to find something else to do anyway, so that's why I'm drifting, at drifting and yep. other stuff, or different types of autocross, maybe. My, Track my days. real bum deal on it is is that uh, we lose we lose that Our life. benchmark. We lose that benchmark. Yeah. Now I, don't have a, now I don't have an, ind- an index of improvement. Which is which the only other thing you can do then is track days. You have and to even go to RPM. Then, like... I know it's a bigger course. I know Marshalltown well enough yeah, that that uh, some of my driver uh, variable is taken out. Yeah. Whereas RPM, you know, it, it'd take me, you know, three or four years worth of track days at my budget level to be able to really iron out the point to the point where I didn't just get better on the in the car versus made the car better. Right, plus the track could change too. I mean, Marshalltown, Marshalltown changed too, but yeah. it's smaller scale, so there's minimal effect on the You're time. You're looking at tenths instead of seconds. Right, you know, whereas RPM, if it's 60 degrees and cloudy one day versus 95 and sunny, I mean, that could drastically change your times. Yeah. 
drastic, relatively speaking. But yeah, I mean, you could be like, why am I losing a second and a half? And it's like, well, it's it's weather. There's nothing. Well, you can I do about I can it. even notice that in Marshalltown, uh, as the day goes on, the times go down because yeah. the track gets hot and then you lose it. Yep. Yeah. So we're gonna have to find something else to do. So uh, in August, I'm, I guess I'm putting this out there. Now. I better buy my tires. I am taking the Fiat to the Odrif Collective in August. Um, I got my welded diff back, which somebody sold. Not very happy about that. I know welded diffs aren't like, you know, that big a deal, but yeah, he sold that welded diff. Do you remember when we had that other Fiat race car? The red one? I don't because you didn't have it when we were friends, but I do know that you got the welded diff out and you put it in the car and it made it It was bad. Way slower. Way drifty, which is why I want to put it back in. So that guy's around somewhere and he was planning on building that car. And we've got another open diff around, so I think we're just going to swap them. And then I'm going to put the, I'm going to keep the one that we have in the car now because that's the right one to have in that car. If I'm going to race it, short of getting an LSD, and then I'll put the, put the welded diff in for drifting. Wasn't the uh, wasn't the welded diff a different final drive, and it was, it was longer, which would be better for RPM. But I it think. was worse for what you were using. Oh, it was before. terrible at Marshalltown because I had to leave it in third. Yeah, and I just lost, it, but it was at the bottom end of third, so I was losing all the torque, and it was right. it was not because that engine wants to, you want to let it rev, you want to let it breathe, and it couldn't do that with that diff at Marshalltown, so that was the main issue. Plus, it really did want to step out, even with those good years that I had on there for a while. It wanted to, it wanted to step out and be sideways. You could throttle steer it. Maybe so. that might be a halfway decent chassis. The damn, the damn tires are thirty five dollars a piece for Federals, and it's like, well. <laughs> I could buy two, oh my god! I could buy two thirty-five so seventeens for the RX seven, which I, are going to be eighty bucks a piece, or thirty-five dollar tires for the Fiat. Let's try the Fiat. Let's try the Fiat first. Uh, I wonder how hard drifting is on brake pads. We'll find out. Uh, actually, I read something about guys who run square brakes. Think about that for a minute. Like same size front and rear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or are they all big? Yeah, the, the upgraded square brakes. Okay. So, I don't know. It's just something to just think about. Just proportioning. Well, my only question is, is, isn't it mildly hard for you to source brake pads for that car? Good no. ones? No. No, I just, I can, I can only get, like, autocross slash track day pads for the car. I can't go into, like, full-blown, super squeaky, hardcore track day, you know, slowing down from 140 miles an hour pads. Which you really don't probably, nah, don't probably, need for probably, don't, probably don't need that. The brake pads we can get are EBCs, and they'll be okay. It's not the end of the world. Okay, because I thought that you actually you had like a a two month lead time on brake. Pads oh no, like my that. dad ordered some really bizarro race pads that somebody supposedly makes, and apparently they don't. And they were supposed to come over on the slow boat from Italy, and they didn't. So we just kinda, okay. That's that's that, where that's, I'm that's getting the my story that you're thinking up. of. So okay. yeah, okay. The, they were like a specialty Italian race pad, and and um, Sergio couldn't get out of bed that morning and and actually make them, and so they never came to us. Maybe we should all buy old school Fiats and go drifting. <laughs> well, I sent that to the other Adam that we know, and he went, "Holy shit, thirty five dollars? Are you kidding me?" He's like, <laughs> "Can I put thirteens on like a Fox body or something like that? That's ridiculous." <laughs> Not the yeah, worst idea. If you could get crazy. it to fit. It is crazy. It is crazy. So anyway, I'm going to buy a full set, and I've got a set of old tires that are 185s, and I figure if they're maybe a little harder, maybe they'll drift a little better as a beginner. <laughs> maybe that's completely wrong. I don't know. It might, I'm just taking six tires I with, feel or like, eight tires with me, and we'll see what happens. I feel like uh, 
like if you run those older, harder tires, you'll just end up facing the wrong direction more often. Yeah, we'll figure because it out. Because you still need grip. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. We'll see what ha- I don't know. I'd like to burn those tires off, though, so that they go away. So we'll see what happens. This show is too long. It's two hours. I was, I was just going to say, we've this been talking is, forever. This is like a, almost a two-hour show, and nobody's listening at this point. All right. So we should just let everybody go. We'll see you guys next week. We will catch you guys next week. Bye. Hey, has anybody seen the new uh, Uber in Des Moines? No. What the license plate says on it? Uh, I wouldn't know an Uber if I saw it. MLF HNTR. No. Yeah, he got what? it. What? <laughs> no yes. fucking way. So our buddy, that w- that guy that we met at uh, the Midwest Exclusive Party, he bought an Odyssey minivan, and he turned in MLF H-N-T-R. I don't know what he said on the How? application. He's driving around in an Uber minivan that says MILF Hunter on the back of it. <laughs>